Welcome. Welcome everyone to Haptic Feedback, a podcast about video games and computer technology. I'm your host Joel, and with me are my co-hosts Al and Jay. Together we make up the Haptic Feedback. In this episode, we talk about recent game events, a non-event or a return to form, PlayStation and Xbox dance-off, or handbags at 10 paces. Is the global economy affecting gaming? Economies of fail? AMD, Intel, NVIDIA are about to enter another generation, but is it next gen? And will Joel ever stop loving Warframe? Okay guys, uh, so welcome to another haptic feedback. So how's everybody doing? Al, I'll start with you. Yeah, I'm good. Um, just finished up at my old uh, place. Uh, just starting up a soon to be starting a new job. So uh, yeah, no, I have a bit of downtime at the moment. A bit of training. Um, no, it's, it's been good. It's been good. Playing the odd uh, different game actually. So we can probably talk about that a bit later on. So um, yeah, it's been good. It's been good. Uh, and learning new stuff as well. So it's been quite good. Oh, I'll move. I'll move on to uh, to Jay. How, how have you been? Yeah, I've been good. I, I just wanted to say yeah, that Al was, uh, I've never seen him smile so much. He's <laughs> underplayed how how much better he's actually feeling. And he's got a bit of downtime, so I, I'd like to see him just play more games <laughs> in, in the period before he starts his new job. Um, but yeah, come back to me. Yeah, I've been really good. I have been busy in the summer holidays with kids and holidays, which is really nice. Um, I haven't played that, mu- that, man- that many games. Well, obviously, I've been following the news. I've been more on the kind of catching up with movie, movies and TV series that I've been missing out on. But I'm good otherwise, yeah. Oh, I guess it's my goal. Yeah, yeah. I've been fine, guys. Um, obviously, summer holidays as well. So, I, you know, obviously spent a bit more time with the kid. So, you know, as you may or may not know, that's more or less a full-time job on top of my own, you know, my regular full-time job. I haven't had a lot of time to play games, I'll be honest, <laughs> you know, I mean, funny that, um, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping once they get back to school, yeah, kind of, uh, you know, gaming opportunities will start opening up and that, and that what, sort of thing. During the working day, when they're at school. Well, I'm, I will, not, I'm not, not to kind of like, kind of, <laughs> like, uh, put myself in a spotlight, well, probably not on the working day, but you never know, yeah. but at, le- at least a good part of the evening, which is like, you know, my evenings have been just spent recovering from my days, mm. you know, at the moment. So, yeah, it's a little bit different. I mean, we've had a v- fantastic summer. When you're a full-time dad, that's, that just means, you know, on a weekend, you, you're basically out and about a bit more <laughs> than you would normally be. Yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> yeah, so, you know, that that's really that. Uh, but yeah, I said, like, I'm, I'm not I'm not being able to kind of, like, play a, a lot of games. Uh, like yourself, you know, uh, Jay, I've been keeping up with the press, gaming press, you know, on the technology press, um, seeing what's going down there, and you know, just just getting on with things. Really, you know, uh, come you're coming up to the end of the year now, so like um, a lot of interesting things are happening or not happening. Let's put it that way. So uh, you know, you know that's 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 really what I've been kind of like looking at. In saying that, I mean, I would say like let's uh, you know let's move on and uh, you know let's start talking about tech. OK, 
Okay guys, uh, for the first topic, I really want to talk about recent gaming events and showcases. Obviously, we've talked at length about PlayStation and Xbox, but obviously we've got events like Gamescom, we've had the Destiny 2 showcase, and we've even have, you know, Warframe, Tenelcon. And really, I want to dive into some of the news, you know, in these areas, uh, all these showcases, and I want to ask a question. Are these events now just non-events? You know, not interesting. Why are we wasting our time? And should we be going the way of Sony? Just give us trailers. You know, what, what is it? <laughs> yeah. Do they add any value anymore? You know, that's that's the question I re I'm really posing on some of these uh, some of these um, you know events. Personally, I love a good event. I think gamers deserve, if you like, real showcases. Real surprises, you know, seismic announcements in festivals to celebrate what we love. But is that what we're really getting these days? <laughs> or is it merely just an extension to the marketing department? You know, uh, usual cycle. Not sure. Yeah. So let, let's roll into it. I mean, let's roll into it. So obviously, recently we've had uh, Gamescom. 2020 2022 i should say uh happened 24th of august uh ended 28th of august and i think the event this time was in in person and online um and i think this is one of the events that you know we'll be looking to go to when the time's right guys yeah 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 now what i will say about it there was a lot of games that were talked about yeah whether they're big games or not open for you know debate uh, what I will say, you know, for Gamescom, the usual cringe-worthy moments happened, yeah? And I'm not really sure what, what, what it is about that kind of uh, event. Uh, we also had the Destiny 2 showcase for, for 2022, and I think that happened 20, 23rd of August, okay? And I think that was largely about Beyond Light, amongst other things, if I understood uh, Lightfall. Ah. Lightfall. Yeah, Lightfall. Is that the name of the new expansion? It is, yeah. Wow, interesting. Okay. So Beyond Light was the last one. And then we had uh, Warframe Tenelcon 2022, which was a little bit earlier, you know, uh, July 16th. And I just snuck this in here because, you know, as you know, I'm a bit of a Warframe fan. I wanted something to talk about. You know, this was <laughs> it. Outside of Gamescom. Um, and, you know, what they, what they dropped was... Uh, a new expansion or a new piece of DLC, I'll call it, obviously free called the Devari uh, Paradox, and a new game. They've got a new game, Soul Frame. Fairly uninspiring name, but it's a new <laughs> game, yeah, which looks like a, a let's say, more of a old school uh, fantasy RPG third person game, Soul Frame. Is it on the same game engine, is it? I'd be surprised if it wasn't. I would yeah. be surprised if it wasn't. Wasn't. Yeah. But let's roll right into it now. So let's start off with uh, Gamescom. So obviously Gamescom, um, basically well-known European event, largely kind of recognised as the E3 of Europe, if you like. Hundreds of thousands of visitors a year, but different. Has a different flavour to it. Now I I pretty much focused on. You know, um, opening night live, 
with, uh, you know, Jeff Keighley makes his regular appearance on these events, opening up shows, yeah. So he did that event, uh, rattled off what felt like 50 plus games during the actual event. I think it was a two hour event, two hour showcase. And I thought to myself, one, number one, there's a lot of content. Number two, I thought to myself, not a lot of this is actually that earth shattering. And then there were there were there were one or two really bizarre moments in that showcase that I'll get into, and the usual really cringe-worthy, you know, moments that, um, in my view, anyway, Gamescom is actually, you know, very, you know, well known for. Uh, and I'll call it out straight away. Actually, it was really the, you know, the game of the show type announcements. Yeah. They would basically put in in between kind of game announcements in in the actual kind of showcase on opening night live, and you'd have stuff like the most anticipated Xbox game or the most anticipated PlayStation game, yeah. And it's such a throwaway kind of throwaway kind of awards, but you'd have people kind of actually on stage getting the award. And the silliest thing about some of these awards were you'd have to be most anticipated PlayStation game. Would it be like no game that anybody's actually anticipating? <laughs> <laughs> it was just it so happened to be at the show, yeah. And I thought, look, well, this this is absolutely far away. I mean, please get rid of this, <laughs> right? And you might you might have something that re- resembles a you know a a credible showcase for gaming. Uh, and and you know, obviously, you know. Um, Jeff, you know, Jeff Keighley, you know, did a reasonably good job in, in kind of like, um, really, uh, frontlining, you know, the show itself, doing what he usually does. I mean, did, did you guys actually catch the show in its entirety or just, just parts of it? Uh, for me, no, I, I, I think with a lot of these events, I typically skip, you know, I think, um, most news outlets will bring forward any of the really interesting stuff that I'm, that I'm kind of looking forward to, to, to my attention. And um, yeah, generally I'll I'll skip them and just wait for um, big you know big things and, and trailers and stuff, and I'll kind of watch those things. So no, I I it's kind of a a non-event for me really. Yeah, I, I mean I I typically like to watch these things, but for this particular event I I wasn't I wasn't free during that period, um, and I'm glad I missed it to be honest because <laughs> like you just called out, it was a bit of a non-event. I mean it almost feels like we're we're feeling the effects of, of COVID, right? Uh, games have been put back, um, uh, and and I, I actually, um, me and Al were talking about this. We we might be entering a new realm of not having the same cycle of news with the same level of intensity every year to justify some of these shows. Um, that's but that's a bit of a different topic, right? So, but yeah, I no, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. I'm wondering, like, based on what you're saying, really, whether some of these, um, some of these game releases announcements were done to tie in with some of these big events, yeah, yeah. But if the big events are no longer big, and they don't help with the marketing, what's the point? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think they're almost kind of in a holding pattern. Uh, Sony and Microsoft, from what were kind of hinting that they weren't going to have many big reveals come out to this event it'll be almost like a post show of their e3 they were just going to 
maybe show another trailer or, or maybe have some development team talking and that's kind of what the the trailers for for the games were like they're just a bit more of an insight of a game that you already knew and no no real bombshell news really i mean there's a couple of things in there around the sony dual sense controller which is quite interesting yeah um, but it, it it was very much as you've said like pretty much filler Definitely, definitely, it felt it felt absolutely like filler. With uh, maybe, like you said, a little bit more detail on some of the things that we've seen before. Yeah, and I think, but I think what you said at the start, I think Gamescom is the power of Gamescom is most more being in person, seeing the games, playing some of the demos, meeting the developers, seeing this, all the stands they could be, they produce, and that that's the kind of you know the vibe similar to E3, right? It was more a physical event. We probably missed that in, in the news cycle. The news cycle is obviously then week, right? So yeah. Well, let's go through what was said anyway in opening night live, and I'm, I'm going to rattle through some of these, and maybe on some of the more interesting items, I'm I'm going to maybe you know we'll, we'll get into a bit more detail. What they did on Gamescom opening night live, Jeff Key, they they opened up with this thing called Everywhere, and it's basically done, I think, helmed by uh, an ex GTA guy, Leslie Benzie. It's really not clear what it is. They've been developing it for five years, and everywhere feels like everything. Because if you if you look at the <laughs> if, if you look at the trailer, right, it's 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 got racing. There's some I think there's some there's some third person action. It was strange in that they didn't really explain what it was. You know, I'm basically thinking metaverse question mark here. Is this a opening shot into what we think would be? A more expensive kind of like metaverse type offering you know it's the next gta you know like um guy at the helm with this thing i'm just wondering you know and it's a strange thing to be opening a show with as well that was the other thing yeah they moved on to what really was a, a cinematic of june awakening which is a survival mmo and then obviously jeff Keighley announced well, not, not really kind of announced, but, you know, said, yep, Sony's given us something to show off. So we had this DualSense Edge controller. And I thought to myself, as good as the DualSense Edge controller might be, Sony, is that it? Is that all you're going to show yeah. us? Yeah, and, and, and the, the controller, is, I, I personally think it's too similar to the existing DualSense, which is a good controller, but for the premium price they're going to charge for this, where you can just swap out the sticks and there's a couple of extra buttons, I was expecting more. Yeah. You know, similar to how Microsoft do. So. Yeah. Do you, Do you know how much this thing costs? I don't. I don't think they've announced it. Yeah. I, I think it'll be 150 um, bucks, right, or something like it'll that. It'll be something like that. It'll be similar prices. That. Yeah. Um, I mean, the Xbox equivalent, the Elite, doesn't actually look that different. That's the. That's the thing. I mean, to me, that looks like an Xbox controller. And but yeah, I. I I get it. I mean, this one just looks like it just looks like a dual sense. Mm. You know, literally, the, you know, I didn't catch any kind of like discerning differences between the two things. Maybe it will come out on the actual reviews that you know, like let's say the D-pad has got better materials and and, and better directional movement, uh, and the sticks have better materials and it feels better. The triggers, you know, I think there's probably that in that sort of level yeah. of detail that it will come out. I saw the sticks are swappable, which, yeah. which, which I'm assuming just the height as well. I think it's stuff like the, uh, you know, the uh, the turning circle and stuff like that. Yeah. They're doing that sort of thing. I mean, which is cool, but this is Gamescom. Uh, we know God of War Ragnarok's around the corner. Last of Us was around the corner. 
you would have thought they've got some surprises, but yet, here you go, here's our new £150, and I'm just thinking it's £150, DualSense Edge controller, which is our, our, pro, our pro controller. That, and it's probably what they would have been posting on the, on the PlayStation blog. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, but, but Xbox have just can royally drop the ball that Sony are not going to release any news. They're just... They're going to hold everything back now, aren't they? Yeah, I really don't know. I mean, I don't know what it is, really, but it's it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's completely... It's like ultra-arrogance and overconfidence which is how you lose first did wonder that. i mean yeah at first i <laughs> didn't think that was the case but now they're feeling more and more more like the P- ps3 kind of gen <laughs> if you know what i mean yeah 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 gonna need to get stung or, or bitch slapped <laughs> that's what i think <laughs> it comes down to yeah let's let's get away from sony let's get away from... uh so obviously a more callisto protocol kind of like gameplay footage looks Looks really good, yeah, that one, I think. definitely. That's on my list, yeah. Lords of the Fallen, and it's actually the second game. The original, oh, is it? Okay. The original was uh, launched in 2014. Yep. Pretty much Souls-like. A kind of indie-style game called Moving Out, Team 17. Hogwarts Legacy, which really... It's a new trailer, but they kind of really uh, themed it around dark magic. So you follow, kind of, obviously, if you know Harry Potter, dark magic. Yeah. I think this game looks really yeah. good. Slivering. Some people do say that. I mean, like, I, I, I mean, I, I'm reading the, the books with my daughter now, and they spent some money on this game. They, they've really brought to life, you know, because there's been a couple of in the trailers where they actually walk through the the, the common rooms yeah, yeah. for the houses. Each of the because there's four houses, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. The, they've spent they've spent some money actually <laughs> recreating a lot of the detail from the book. So. You know, if if it has some deep RPG mechanics, because they've shown some of the gameplay yeah. for the fighting, and it looks quite good, this is something I'm I'm actually interested in. Maybe maybe not a full price though. Yeah, they've got a very rich lore, that's for sure. Very interesting universe that everybody knows and loves, and they can do a lot with it. And yeah, exactly. Uh, there's the, I mean, they're not going to make it like kind of Destiny raid type thing. They've got good potential. Is it the the Just Cause developers? I'm not sure actually. I think about, I think the Avalanche Studios I think are involved. The Avalanche. They're just, really? I think they're not they're not the they're one of the maybe one of the partnering studios. I'm pretty sure they are. So it's got. I mean, I'll have a look as we go through the list. But yeah, I mean, it's it it could be good, and I and I think it is more of a persistent game world, isn't it? But anyway, I mean, look. So they're tackling both kind of like you know light and bad magic in it, which is you know obviously. Big part of the books in in the films, so either it's going to be Expelliarmus, whatever it is, or <laughs> Crucianus, good or bad, you know, <laughs> light or dark, right? Yeah. And then uh, I think uh, Randy Pitchford came on stage to announce new tales from Borderlands, from the Borderlands, one-on spin-off from the you know Borderlands franchise. Now that's coming out actually October this year. Uh, Dying Light Two, Bloody Ties DLC. Yeah, Pirate's Tale was also kind of shown off, which, to be honest, didn't look, in my eyes, very good. Marauders, which is a loot raid shooter, and had a kind of fairly weird look. Destiny 2, and it's, it's Lightfall, isn't it? Yeah, it is Lightfall, yeah. yeah. We'll talk a little bit more about that. Yeah, I, I made a mistake earlier, it was, it was actually Beyond Light was two years ago, then there was the Witch Queen, that's and then right. this new one is Lightfall, yeah. Yeah, that's right. 
Sonic Frontiers got a new trailer coming out 8th of November this year. It looked a lot better than the first time I saw it, but it still looked quite strange seeing Sonic in what was a kind of a pseudo-realistic setting. No studios got the conversion to 3D right for Sonic, have they? No, no studio. <laughs> they keep trying, don't they? They do keep trying. I'm, I'm actually getting to the point where I'm thinking to myself, why bother? If it's if it's a 2D or 2.5D game, why not? They, they should have stuck to the 2D game, but the movies have done really well. I've seen the, the, the two recent film, films of my kids. They are actually really good. If you can get past the kind of the hybrid real life setting with humans and then Sonic the acting and the storyline and the action for a kids movie it's really good I would I would highly recommend watching it actually to be honest I do wonder why they've kind of like adapted that art style have they adapted that art style then where you've got Sonic in a pseudo kind of realistic like you know like the Sonic films you know mm. you know Sonic with real live actors pretty interesting yeah, well, yeah the next on the menu was Under the Waves which is supposedly a love letter to the ocean. But I think what was uh, actually quite interesting about this is uh, Quantic Dreams is actually publishing it. You know, Quantic Dreams of uh, rain. Was it rain? Uh, yeah. Heavy, Heavy rain. rain. Heavy yeah. rain, yeah. Heavy rain. Yeah. And was it Beyond Human? Yeah, yeah. Beyond Human, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they're publishing this. Um, we had Gold Simulator that comes out 17th of November this year. And what was interesting to me was this, uh, you know, title, Return to Monkey Island, 19th of September, which some of you might remember. You might remember the original Monkey Island. It's an old uh, 90s PC sort of uh, adventure game. Basically, it was in between a text adventure and going, you know, fully user controlled. For the time, it was a, it was a pretty stellar title. Yeah, so Return to Monkey Island's coming out. Now, next title, Moonbreaker. This was quite interesting. So it's connected to this author. I think his name's Brandon Sandersol. What's interesting about him is that he actually completed the Wheel of Time fantasy books. You know, Wheel of Time, well-known D&D fantasy novels. And Amazon have actually got a series, or they started a series with that. And it's basically made by the people who did uh, Subnautica. And it's a very interesting turn-based tactical game. But really, it takes it on a little bit further in that, I mean, with a lot of these turn-based games you, you play on the tabletop, you've literally got the kind of models, like a, you know, like a, like a Warhammer game. Yeah. yeah. They've retained the kind of um, the models in-game. So rather translating them to kind of like living entities, living whatever, it's just a model. So they've done something quite interesting there. Whether it will be good yeah. or not, not sure. Friends v Friends is a deck build first person shooter which had a really unusual night art style which I'll, I'll just basically say reminded me of what a teenager would scribble on his notebooks within a classroom yeah when he's in a class that he's not that interested in and then we had Lives of P P equaling Pinocchio and this title was actually also shown off by AMD in their recent announcement event for Ryzen 7000 and it's a day one on Game Pass Then this thing is a, a third person action game which is very Souls-like very Souls-like now there's more Stranded Alien Dawn early access in October which is some sort of survival game 
Atlas Fallen comes out in 2023. Fantasy RPG looked good, actually looked good. But what's interesting is from the people who bought you the Surge. There's a Surge one and two, and it's really a sci-fi Souls-like game that's been yeah. quite well received. That might be one to look out for. You had the kind of um, video, and then you had a small snippet of gameplay, which people might have missed actually, but it looked decent. Next title they uh, they announced is something that's really kind of like interesting for me. Homeworld Three. This is actually a space-based RTS real-time strategy game. Interestingly, it's not been done by Relic, who were the original creators of Homeworld. Homeworld really at the time kind of not quite redefined, but um, did something with RTS that was very, very different to everybody else. Yeah. And I've said that this to Al before, right? If you listen to the soundtrack of Homeworld, yeah, it's it's very like um, the the last battle star series the soundtrack is very very similar and i can only think Battlestar was inspired by what happened in the home world because it, it is just too similar you yeah. know our engine impact 3.0 update that's one for you I, obviously I've been playing it already yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah or nay uh actually it's changed up the meta so yes it's been pretty good nice interesting Honka Style Rail, I hope I pronounced it, or Honkai. Honkai, The trailer gave nothing away, but it's a tactical role-playing game. High on Life, obviously, we saw this in the the Xbox showcase. It was that game, that shooter, first-person shooter, I think it was based on the the Rick and Morty universe, if you remember it. And it looked as if it really had potential. But they showed off what I can only describe as the worst level ever to demo. It was this bland looking uh, level where you had rising kind of like liquid where the player had to kind of like really swing from, you know, uh, point to point shooting stuff. Why they shot it? I have no idea. Uh, Hard Space Shipbreaker out on 20th September on consoles. What would I call this? It's kind of a survival, you know, like an MMO type game. Telltale's The Expanse, which is based on a television series on Amazon. Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I think this is based on some sort of 80s or 90s film. Scars Above, which reminded me a lot of Returnal in its kind of um, you know art direction. Uh, I don't know how to pronounce this, but uh, Wide Song, which is no idea what this is actually. But all I can understand, all I understood from this is that they're veterans of Bethesda's Fallout and Skyrim games, basically working on it. An expansion for Age of Empires 4 was announced. Ottomans and uh, Malians. Gotham Knights got an official villains trailer with Mr. Freeze, uh, Harley Quinn in there. And then this really nice looking, I think it was a, a Chinese developed action game called Where the Winds Meet. Yeah. And what really struck me about this game was how very Chinese it was. <laughs> Quite honestly, I mean, like, it didn't try and dumb it down, you know. Music, art style, very, very kind of like, uh, you know, uh, Chinese. Very much so. Didn't try and dumb it down, but very interesting. Then it starts to get a bit strange. So, Kojima basically comes on and announces that he has a podcast. <laughs> a podcast. 
Hideo Kojima has a podcast starting in Spotify in September. And that Jeff Keighley is going to probably can, be on. Can, can he even speak English? He must do, right? He's always speaking Japanese, mm. isn't he? On, on yeah. How is this going to work? <laughs> I don't know. You know, what is he going to speak about? I don't know. It must be like game development and stuff like that. It has to be all his user experience. People are interested in that sort of stuff. Yeah, maybe so. I mean, it could be it could be some sort of marketing ploy for whatever he's doing. Bungie have been like sharing their engineering values and principles for for how they work and how how they make changes, and they've been releasing that. So when they have a weekly update, they 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 chuck in stuff like this is how we work, and they're apparently been getting high view views on, on that type of thing we were interested in it it, cre- it creates more engagement um, in connection engagement yeah. and, and sympathy for developers they're all, they're all getting abused on uh, social media websites aren't they? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> that is actually quite interesting but i do wonder what he's going to have in him i do wonder if it's some sort of short-term thing he's doing or not I'm not sure kojima is all about long-term changing up the game as in the game model way of doing things right <laughs> yeah what a game is really yeah yeah. yeah definitely and moving on part beyond which is obviously like very much like bullfrog's old um seminal theme park game and then another strange thing we had a car with gaming features that was pokemon themed <laughs> in the show they literally got a mini i saw that yeah. one actually yeah. it's the most bizarre thing i've ever seen most bizarre thing I've ever seen. Yeah, the thing is, yeah, my, my, I've got three sisters. The younger one is is of that generation where they obsessed about Pokemon, uh, and uh, they were more attached to these type of things. And they would, they would, she would go out and buy a car themed on something silly like this. So whereas we're like a, we're old fogies, right, compared to that <laughs> generation. So true, 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 true. Moving on, Warhammer Forty Thousand Dark Tide. So small gameplay looking good i really actually want to play this one with you guys because i think we'd have a lot of fun with this it looks i mean i've never been attracted to warhammer but i have to say the the game looks good yeah yeah it looks like a lot of fun i mean the uh the vermintide game they did which is also based on the uh other side of warhammer which is the the, the more dnd version of it was a lot of fun shallow but a lot of fun yeah uh then we had uh blacktail a witch's fate First-person fantasy action game, Phantom he- Hellcat, which was uh, a third in 2.5D action game, Crossfire X, which is a well-known Xbox, I think it's an exclusive, Dorf Ramantek was coming to Switch, The Outcast Trials, which is a horror game, looks pretty horrible, if I'm being honest with you, yeah, and then... The final, which is a shooter with a game show format, guessing very much like The Running Man, but, you know, obviously, you know, FPS. And Dead Island 2, which actually looked good. And I remember Dead Island, I mean, that was one of the last games I saw at E3, when I actually spoke to the developers about Dead Island. So it's... Well, the trailer, it was really popular. Yeah, it's, it's looking yeah. good. It's, it's a sequel that's been promised for a while, but never come out. Do you think, do you, uh, look at them, and this is a boring list. Can you yep. imagine Jeff Keighley putting his name behind this list of announcements? <laughs> I don't think he's got <laughs> much of a choice. Yeah, it's embarrassing, isn't it, really? Yeah, this, this is what you can get. The thing about this list, right, when you read through it, there are no what you would call really big hitters. 
if you know what I mean. Not and one. You know what? I it's, it's not just this that I was speaking to Al before. E3 wasn't for me banging either this year, and I, it's it's almost like I, I mean I, I, we've all got big massive back catalogs. I'm more excited about going through my back catalog and even games that aren't on my catalog that I would um, that want to play that I haven't bought yet than actually anything forward-looking at the moment. I mean, yeah. It's not a good place to be. Well, think about it. I mean, uh, what did Sony do? Here's our DualSense Edge. Here's a video. We're not even going to go there, right? But here, here's the video that we're going to post anyway. Knock yourselves out. Yeah. I don't understand. that. They, if they if they even had stuff like, look, we've got this game out. Here's a an extra skin, extra weapon, extra car. Chuck some Gran Turismo stuff in there. Like it's like it's not nothing. It's not that important to them. That's the thing. Yeah, it's not that important. It's not that important for it's Xbox a, either. Yeah, just a bit disappointing to be I honest. I mean, yeah. I mean, look at look at the list. I mean, there's Activision, EA, Ubisoft. They they chuck nothing in there as well. So what? What? So what? Okay, these are the these are game announcements. How about physically at Gamescom? Were we able to play some of the games that are coming out? I think so. That aren't on this list? Uh, no. I, th- I think anything that you could have played was would be on this list. Yeah, if you like. Yeah, okay. The really big hit is, like, I mean, you weren't going to go to Gamescom and play Ragnarok. God of War Ragnarok. Uh, you weren't going to go there and play The Last of Us Part 1. That wasn't going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to die, isn't it, Gamescom, then? If well, we're heading this way. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, it just depends. I mean, I, I still maintain, you still need some sort of physical event for games, yeah? But you also need the big players to be basically a bit more invested than they are. You know, like, uh, you know, back in the days of E3, when it was, you know, up there, Sony, Microsoft, all the big publishers were there. No doubt about that. And they used to drop some money yeah, to be there, and also the events they did. I mean, I told you about the story. There was one event I did, you know, uh, the Sony one, yeah. where they just basically fed everybody that was at the uh, event. They literally fed them all. If you wanted to be fed, you know. Wow. <laughs> well, I think the physical game yeah. form has got two. They've got to change the format. I think. I just. They've got to. They've got to change it. Yeah, but then the format is going to have to have more. I'm talking about the physical side of this, the show, right? It's going to have to have more demos or more games, or you get like, but they won't do that, well, will they? Because <laughs> it's more, it's harder work, and get, games are getting more complicated to build. Forget the oh yeah, the AAA yeah. games, even like the mid tier games. Are getting the the mid tier was like uh, they don't have time to make I'm demos anymore. AAA from five years ago. The indies are, you know, they're special as well. I mean, you know, these are not. These are not games that that people don't spend a million pounds on. Yeah, I mean, just out just out of interest, like if you if, if you were to put a percentage of the games on that, on that list you've just gone through that you're even remotely yeah, interested quick, in, like you know, buzz through it. Um, I'm about five percent. Five percent. Yeah, similar. <laughs> yeah, and that's five five percent is what wow. I'd like to play. Probably ten percent is actually what I'm interested in following because it just seems interesting. But it's nothing more than that, you know? yeah. And you know, I don't know whether that's because we get more choice these days or not. But yeah. I think a lot, a lot of this is because the really big players are 
just not engaging and they're not invested in these shows anymore. Yeah. 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 Which is a shame. It, it, may, it just depends it's on what they get out of it, right? Yeah. So if there's nothing they're going to get way. actually get out of it in comparison to what they're already announcing, then kind of defeats the purpose, right? So there has to be a reason yeah. for you to be there. I reckon they get they, they get more more eyes on each of these games by just doing one or two announcements yeah. on Twitter, and then the and then YouTubers mm. will just bake it into their shows, and then they Correct. get more eyes on the, yeah. the games. And Sony and people like Sony know that big bang show. They've seen the numbers. Yeah, and there's people like us as well, right? Who actually like a little yeah. trickle of news throughout the whole year. <laughs> yeah, because it's a lot. It's, and it's, 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 it's an investment in time. And actually, <laughs> if, there's, if there's only like five percent of the stuff is actually any of interest, then is it effective use? I don't. It just doesn't. Yeah, there were big titles in here that we were interested in. Our perspective would, I think, somewhat change. But the f- fact is that they were not. You know what we what we really want to see isn't here. So, so you, you interesting. You mentioned before it, um, they're going to have to change things. How do you think they 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 could do that? Right now, I think a lot of events, why they exist, is probably a lot to do with marketing, you know, and getting kind of the word out for games and announcements. But I, I think really, you know, that side of things is probably, as you said, better served by just going down the kind of social media and internet route. Yeah, you know, they'll get as much, if not more, engagement doing that route. Yeah. You know? So really, what what are we left with? I mean, at the end of the day, I think festival type of format where you're going there, you just go in there, play games, enjoy the kind of gaming culture or things. Maybe even have speakers from the dev community who just want to talk about what it's like to develop a game rather than trying to kind of sell you the game, if you know what I mean. Yeah, well, they'll already have different shows for that, don't they? Yeah, but, you know, maybe those shows are the shows that will grow. And maybe, like, with Gamescom and, you know, that's how they need to evolve. Even with E3, right? I mean, you know, I don't think E3 can continue the way it is, yeah. So, so okay, so if we take Genshin Impact, right? I knew about the 3.0 update well before Gamescom because, you know, they do their own updates and stuff. The only reason why I would go <laughs> to Gamescom for a Genshin Impact thing is for merch. Like, like it'd have to be exclusive merch. It has to be a reason for me to be there for stuff. And, like, otherwise, it's a bit pointless. That, that's the sort of thing I'd be looking for. Yeah, I, 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 I always... Maybe this is my wrong perception. I always thought Gamescom would, was early demos of games to get you really excited, excited about them. And you... You know, I used to remember watching on YouTube people standing, <laughs> actually standing at the stands with the controllers in their hand and the reactions, and and they used to get me kind of hyped up, but um, they don't seem to do that anymore. So uh, with the internet, I don't, you know, I, I doubt it. I mean, I mean, games, trailers, and videos and gameplay walkthroughs are there's so much of it. You know, I, yeah, I just think they need a different kind of format and direction with some of this stuff. I I, I also wonder. Whether the new, because oh, we're getting older now, right? Um, the newer generation like a less, like a less variety of games, and they're more into the kind of the big staples of the Call of Duties and your, your uh, Fortnites, and and maybe they'll go off piste and play a, a one another <laughs> smaller separate game, which probably explains why. Could be another, could be another reason why Game Pass and the, these companies are consolidating under the under these big. Uh, brands because 
they know it's coming. They they're getting less eyes on their games because people are getting sucked into the bigger right. the bigger franchises. But it's very different. It's ironic, isn't like, it? Like, like with Netflix. Yeah. Whereas you know, it's like, it's like it's like with Apple Music or or Netflix, right? You are more likely to to look at other stuff, <laughs> other music or other other shows if you're paying that one-off subscription. Yeah. And, and, and so therefore, if that trend is happening, what we're seeing in this event is a symptom of that, which is far less meaty <laughs> yeah. things. But I would also counter that, though, and I would say, with these services, better be music or games or something, or film, was it? something else, right? You do get to kind of look at stuff that you wouldn't normally look at. But I don't think you engage in it as as long as you would. No, I agree, I agree. But the other kind of strand of what 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 I'm saying is uh, is and I'm I'm asking the open question here. We've always been recently. It's always been there's more games coming out, more games than you can ever play, uh, uh, and therefore there's lots of news, and that's been supporting all of these events such as Gamescom and E3. Are we now entering a world where there are going to be less games and less news because it certainly feels like that this year covid or no covid right and hence why we've got this filler on here i mean i don't have to answer that question but i, I just this is an interesting thing theme that i think may be happening i've got no evidence for that but you i know. think that, i think that's definitely a conversation from for another day that's actually quite an interesting one there's a lot of contradictions in there you know yeah yeah it'd be interesting to explore that but let's let's move on. Let's move on because obviously we talked at length about games, common. You know, it kind of feels like they need to change the format. Doesn't feel like it's what it was. But there were there were another two not well in my eyes not worthy anyway. There was obviously the, the Destiny Two showcase and they've got the new the new expansion DLC that arrives. I think uh, end of February, right next year. Yeah, so um, I can give you some of the highlights then, right? So, so they've announced a new DLC, Lightfall, coming out in February, and and they've moved away from a September October release to this new February one. Um, but it started because they they, were, they delayed the Witch Queen, but I think it suited them because it moves them away from the other games coming out towards the Christmas period, because um, things are more quiet in February. Um, prior to this event. Uh, about two or three years ago, they already announced three expansions that are now four expansions because they said they couldn't fit them all in three. So they had already put the roadmap, right? Um, so this is another one of those DLCs to complete the roadmap. As you've already called out, they've introducing a new planet on Neptune, which is really interesting because up to this point, all of the locations are being very apocalyptic broken buildings very dull bland colors and some of the the dungeons have been more kind of brighter colors but they've really gone lent into this cyberpunk kind of feel on neptune it's like a living planet they're on yeah it's 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 uh the store background story is is the it is there's there's the last city on earth where all the humans live a colony started on Neptune, hidden away. Um, so it, it's just been revealed, and I don't know the full story, but it, it's just been recently revealed. Hence, why it's actually, for once, 
like nice coloured buildings and bright. It's like I said, it's like a cyberpunk feel, um, which is really interesting. Um, it almost looked like a new game. Mm. <laughs> That's what everybody was mm. saying. Um, and, a, and a bit of a going off piece slightly, a little bit. The rumour is, well, not a rumour, but they've already said after they complete the Light and Dark Saga, which is the next expansion after this, uh, which is called Final Shape, Destiny's going to continue. They're, they're going to take it in a different direction, right? And this DLC feels like they're, they're experimenting with where they're going to go in next in a different colour yeah. palette. They've, they've even got a, a race that's on this planet, um, they're called cloud striders um and it's almost it's almost it's like nothing else you've seen on destiny right <laughs> um they're even releasing and giving you giving if you if you pre-order the dlc they're giving away a, a gun is a merge between an auto rifle a rocket launcher a, it's, it, again like, is it another example of them just experimenting with a different theme so that, that was quite that was cool um the other thing that they announced was a new subclass everyone thought it was going to be a dark subclass but they were suspecting it was be green but it's not actually a dark subclass it's meant to be a play on tall strand um and it's meant to be a play on pulling on strings through different dimensions to bring energy and do all of these kind of superpower moves but for some reason, everyone thought it was going to be green coloured, which came out to be true. What they've at least marketed so far is, is there's a there's a significant grapple hook mechanic, which is quite interesting because the level design is probably going to have a far more verticality than any other Destiny game so far. That's a sense um, I got from the trailer. Yeah, it has, and, and, and you get you get some vertic. Uh, verticality in destiny where you don't might do some big drops <laughs> you know you might just drop off i don't know like a large ledge and it goes on for a long time almost the fact that you almost get you almost get that kind of like it's if you're jumping out an airplane kind of feeling which is quite cool so again again that's that's just changing the direction of the gameplay i think i, I think i think that's probably the key oh no, actually there are a few other things uh they finally announced a in-game lfg system nfg right? Lucky for group. Yeah, there was also you can have loadouts in the game, which sounds crazy because the game's been at what eight years now. Yeah, <laughs> you can't. You can have loadouts by using a third-party app, but they're building it into the game, right? And then there was there were a couple of other things like for new players as well, which to be honest, I, it didn't look that appealing. Um, there was a, something called a accommodation system, where if you have Sherpas for the raid, or even your teammates, you can give them certain cards, which is to say you've been a, I don't know, a, a good vocal person, or you've been covering my back, and, and it's just to encourage. I think it's probably going to help with the kind of the LFG kind of system where you can say if you're looking for someone who's a Sherpa who, who who's not have who who doesn't have this long list of requirements for you to to get in and are very very patient. That will come out through this system, or if someone is, you know, like more fun to play with or cracking jokes, it's that it's like it's quite an interesting spin. How effective it will be, I don't, I don't know, but but those are the kind of the, the gist of the things that they announce. I personally was quite disappointed with the show, to be <laughs> honest. <laughs> As I've said before, I've got my expectations are high, right? I the, I, the game is feeling very stale to me. 
Now, when they, when they when they came out with the last DLC, which was the Witch Queen and Beyond Light, but before that, the campaigns were good, the new subclasses were good. But what happens is, after the first three four weeks, and it's a live, live game service, they get you playing the same old strikes, the same maps, and they change nothing in those. We've got one new PvP map in three years, right? If you, if you look at the breakdown of what this game has got, they're not talking about any changes to... Uh, there's a PV, there's a PvEP <laughs> game mode, no changes to that. <laughs> there's no significant changes to the number of strikes, and there's nothing about PvP. And, and they would put that in the marketing now if they're going to do some big changes to that, because it would justify the, the price. They're, they're increasing the price by £20 as well, so they're increasing there. I, 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 and I was seriously considering just walking away, <laughs> as I've said to you guys, right? <laughs> well, Where I've landed is I'm gonna I'm, I can't walk away because I Sony are bought into them. There's gonna be TV shows. There'll be a new yeah. game. I've spent so much time finding a, a good um, raid team and a community. I'm gonna stick with it, but I'll, I'll just play intensely when it comes out in February, and then I'll play here and there, raiding here and there. But I'll use the rest of the time to play the games. And I, I've tried to walk away and I can't. <laughs> but I was very disappointed with the, with the, with the show. I, I think it will be good, a good DLC, but I just expect more. Yeah, but that's probably because they're, they're probably just focusing on, what, Destiny 3 or something. And probably with COVID and other things, there's been other distractions which causing them to delay stuff. So the amount of content is probably quite limited. But they've never really, I think with Destiny, they've never really fixed that game engine problem anyway. So they've, their release cycle of, of content has always been slow. Um, yeah. And it's never really changed. I, so, Al, I, I, I agree with you to a point, but I, they have lied to the community consistently. <laughs> well, but it's been, it's been like that since Destiny 1. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, exactly. <laughs> and they've promised we're going to add, we're going to add, they've promised we're going to fix PvP, we're relaunching everything. They have clearly worked out that they can release just enough get the money, keep the audience going that's already there, because they're not going to bring many new players in, although they said they've, they've had the largest number of new players, 4 million new players last year. But how many of those stick around, I don't know, right? But I, I think they, they, they've got an asset here, they can sweat, mm. and, and they've spent their money making whatever is Destiny 3, whether they call it that or not. They've, they've, already, no, they've already announced they make other games in the pipeline, at least two or three, it could be even more. TV shows, probably movies. All their effort is is in that space. Mm. Um, they've they they've they've expanded their studio, physical another physical location. I mean, God knows, I, I think they're nearly up to a thousand people in the studio. It might even be more. They've got people, and it's probably the right business decision. They've worked out the sweet spot of not overcommitting on this game and doing just enough and get the money coming in, which will fund all their new games. Which is just still, which is which is probably right for them, but um, it's disappointing as a Destiny player. Yeah, it doesn't. It's not really the most consumer-friendly way of doing it, but um, it is a business after all, right? So yeah. you can understand what they're doing, but like you say, I think some of the promises and unfortunately, it just feels like it's quite consistent in yeah. terms of what I've seen in the past with them and. That's why I just said didn't really bother with two. Gamers have short yeah. memories, guys. Yeah. 
yeah. I, 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 I'm a classic example of them as well. I was like, <laughs> I'm definitely walking away if I see some, uh, uh, I see like, almost like a non-event. And there was a bit of a non-event for me. <laughs> then I was like, I'm, I'm quitting until like, I don't know, three years time when there's a new game coming out. But here I am, I'm like, oh, okay, I'll just stick with it. <laughs> the show was weird, I thought as well. The one for Witch Queen, they showed far more gameplay. In this one, it was a lot of this... There's a big tag at the top saying still in development and pre-production and subject to change. And, and they, you know, it was in all, pretty much all of the gameplay. They had more talking about how great the game is going to be and versus actually showing it. Whereas last year they showed more, and the previous year they showed more, so that has me a little bit more nervous, actually, to be honest. But it's the exact polar opposite um, to Sony, who basically don't talk at all, just show you a trailer. Here you go, here's your trailer. Here's some gameplay. Yeah. We're not going to talk. Just to close up the thing, the show was poor for me. The YouTubers have all well received it. I haven't seen many people crit- critique it, but I think they've all lowered their expectations, right? And yeah, you know, if they start, if any of those community and there's say anything bad, then they 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 they're, they're going to lose all of their viewership as well and and their trust. Mm. Was, it's become a niche. Although it's a popular game in terms of an MMO game, it's still very niche in terms of numbers. Yep. yep. Um, and I would imagine those numbers are going to continue to go down and down until they finish the saga and they can reboot, relaunch, have all the new game engine, new systems, and and maybe have a pipeline of you know more regular content delivery yeah that's it with the show uh, i just, I just want to i mean if, if you guys got any more questions on that um throw them in now but i was going to just cover off the latest season update mm. as well they've got so they, they have four seasons every year the latest season is pirate theme wonder or something isn't it plunder they plunder that's yeah. the one a season of the plunder again filler game modes filler content the skins in, in and the and the gun ornaments are all cool. They they've they've had a good job with that. Um, but the gameplay stuff is all filler. I'm ignoring it. But one interesting thing is that they've uh, uh, re-released uh, the Oryx raid. Mm. Uh, the name fails me. What's it called? Uh, Fallen King or something? Uh, King's, King's Fall. Fall yeah. Which I which I haven't played yet, but you know it it looks quite good from the from the videos that I've seen, as in it's in the latest in because they have improved the game engine, the lighting and everything. It is, it is much better. And I've heard good reviews from, you know, people in terms of the guns, the gameplay and nostalgia of it. So I'm looking forward to playing that, but that's not going to last me six months. (laughs) (laughs) There's one more dungeon coming out, which is a, a three player activity. All the dungeons have been good so far. I have to give it to them. Raids and dungeons is destiny. The quality, yeah. Whether they were last six months or a year, questionable. But they are, they are the they are the real meat, bread and butter for people who are hardcore players in the game. Because there's no no other game can touch those type of modes for a first person shooter. And I I, I can't see anybody investing the money to kind of compete with them. It's just it's just never going to happen. So. But yeah, that's that 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 that's the yeah. show. I like I like the look of the uh, the new trailer. I gotta admit, it just strikes me they're gonna do something a little bit different in terms of the environment this time. Yeah. Okay, let, let's let's move on from Destiny, and the the last 
thing I kind of want to talk about in this topic was um, Warframe Tenocon 2022. Now, was this a non-event? I'm not sure it was because as I was kind of like prepping for this, I kind of realised something about um, digital extremes who basically, obviously, um, do Warframe. They've always had an online presence and they've been doing Tenocon for about seven years now. You know, off their own back, really. So I got the sense they, yeah, they kind of like know, they know what to do with this sort of stuff and appease their fans and whatnot. Putting that aside, what was interesting to me and what they, they kind of, they they sort of announced it, but they sort of didn't, didn't, because it was in the, one of the keynote talks with the devs. They talked about this parity event, okay? So what happens with, uh, obviously, this live service game is that Let's say every two weeks, a specific uh, vendor makes an appearance in a specific location. And then, obviously, players flock to this vendor to, to buy whatever item. So what they explained was that the PC and console variants of the game are running on different schedules. And that's all part of what happens in the, you know, on, on the database backend. So what they're doing is syncing that up between all all the actual um, platforms so they can implement cross-playing cross-save yeah that's a huge one They've, we've been asking that's been that's been the one thing that i've been looking for, for and i thought that might be yeah. interesting for you al they actually said and i thought to myself okay now i can start playing this game again <laughs> <laughs> right thank you i can start playing this game again <laughs> now further to that they also did this Zaraman custom PC giveaway. That that picture that obviously anybody just listening to the audio won't see. That is a custom PC. <laughs> I, I thought that was some kind of in-game picture. No, <laughs> it's a PC. They got custom built as a giveaway. It's a one-off build. So I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I mean, if, you, if you're going to give anything away, this is what you should give away. This is the type of thing that, you know, that's a giveaway. I don't know the speak of the PC, however. But with a case like that, you'd imagine it's a pretty it's a pretty good PC in there. And then, um, what did they really announce game-wise in, in Tenocon? Warframe always has... They've got no problem content. They've got almost too much of it, yeah? But they've got this new thing called... How do I pronounce this? The Divari Paradox. This thing is a new open-world expansion. Obviously, still free, but I was I was watching gameplay video, the gameplay video of it, and what it reminds me of is is a few things. It reminds me of Okami, a PS2 kind of era game, GameCube era game. It reminds me of Ghost of Tsushima, and it reminds me of Witcher 3. And the reason for that, there's a lot of time spent on horseback or a mount. Mm. It's third person, and it takes place, I think, between specific expansions and events. And paradox, meaning there's time travel involved in it. And the actual f first mission, the um, you could call it like a, a primer mission of it. Open world, black and white, had your player basically doing stuff that basically brought the colour back to the land. So that for me, right? Oh, that feels like oh, a little bit Ghost of Shima with a black and white kind of presentation, and a Kami where you as a player bring back life to the world, 
basically getting colour back into it. Yeah. And then yeah. at, at times, basically getting on that steed reminded me of Witcher Three. So it's a very interesting direction they're taking with some of this stuff. Very interesting. Yeah, but I don't think it's the. I think they've had an open world yeah, section yeah. a long time back, right? But I guess it's just they're doing it again with a, an interesting style. Yeah, to this it. feels a bit more narrative driven than the other open, you know, open worlds. They talked a little bit about this other kind of a DLC coming up called Railbreaker. I'm going to introduce a new channel, new character. Was it Styanax? And it's got to have new mechanics, which it took through, I think, one of the campaigns. And they've now got 50 distinct Warframes, 50 distinct characters that you can play with, build up, and do all that sort of thing. Yeah, that for me was not quite a non-event, it was just to form. That's what they've always been doing. They, yeah, they've all got a reputation of just always having lots of content, haven't they? Yeah, overwhelmingly so, I think. Too yeah. much, yeah. Too much. But they don't have a content is it, is problem. It is it quality, though? No, I I think it's this this cross play cross save thing is huge. I think the accessibility that it will do from that will will make it much more interesting. Jay, were you talking about the content they release? Is it quality? Yes. Is it quality? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's not. I I don't think it's been as far as I've seen. You know, especially I I you know, I played it. I'd never played to really much in depth, but it doesn't seem buggy or anything. So it it seems pretty well polished. I mean, I I think something like. Destiny and Bungie seems a little bit more polished, but then again, you can say that about Destiny and Bungie versus almost everything else. Yeah. Yeah. I. 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 I but is that is that because normally first-person games always feel they're slightly more polished than third-person because the mechanic because you can it's the character moving from that angle that looks more janky if it's not. Are you sure it's not that, or no, do you no. mean the kind of polish? Just the of, polish like, the and the art direction yeah, okay. and those sorts of kind yeah, of like okay. things that yeah. you know production yeah. values. And but and yeah, don't get okay. me wrong, I mean digital extremes have very good production values, and it's getting better and better, as I can see. But Bungie and Destiny, I mean, you know, you know that's 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 AAA, whereas Warframe, it's approaching that. Just you know, it 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 just doesn't feel as uh, as well realized in in many ways. Yeah, but it, it's it's still really good. Remember, it's it's an absolute free to play game as well. Yeah, uh, how I do it, I have no idea. But you know, it's uh... there's enough people that buy stuff from it. Yeah, I think. yeah. This is this is the this is the thing with good, um, I think free to play models that actually think about the um, uh, to make the game actually fun. Um, and actually getting the um, the players to, to purchase based on what they're enjoying out of the game, not to pay to win and all this other yeah. stuff, right? So I think they actually do it really well, so that actually people buy the other stuff around it, some skins, the odd wolf, the odd you know credit for Warframes, the odd bit of this for, for that, but you know there's still uh, people that, that play it will, will buy stuff in and around it, not necessarily to um, yeah. pay to win reasons. So it's, it's pretty good. Yeah, model. definitely. And, and the other thing that I haven't really talked about is they've got a new game. Soul Frame, which is more of a um, D and D, if you can call it that, you know, RPG, third person, obviously not sci-fi, okay, but still has a real interesting, distinct art style. You know, your typical, you know, digital extremes, you know, art style. So they announced that and had some kind of game gameplay video and cinematics for that. Yeah, I saw, I saw the trailer for that. It it looked like. 
same sort of character style mm. models and movement as the yeah, yeah, main different. Warframe. So Definitely. Probably... I mean, you imagine the art, the art team's the same, wouldn't you, wouldn't you so? Yeah, I imagine if they just reuse the engine, right? Reuse some of the, a- the assets that you've already got um, and expand it, right? So as long as it um, works out well, then I think it, yeah, it's a good it's a good thing to branch off to another game. Then, so that's all I want to talk about in terms of Warframe and Nocorn and Digital Extremes. But yeah, I mean they they're going well. I mean, you know, as an event, yeah, it was an event, it wasn't a non-event, uh, but largely because I found out that you know crossplay and cross save is finally coming. And, uh, you know, what they're doing, you know, looks as impressive as usual. And guys, I think with that said, let's move on to the next topic. Okay, guys, the next topic I want to talk about, I don't know what we're calling the war of words, but I guess it's getting close to that, between PlayStation and Xbox. And I've titled this one, PlayStation Xbox dance off because that's what it really feels like. So this has all come about because the Brazilian regulators have published information based on feedback on the Activision implicit purchase by Microsoft. What I understand is that this particular regulator and maybe actually all regulators ask questions of concerned parties. In this case, tech and gaming companies like the Amazons, Googles, Sony themselves, Ubisoft, Namco, etc. Okay, and maybe all regulators do this, but perhaps uh, the Brazilian regulator is the only one that actually publicly published information. What do we get? Well, clearly Sony objects to it. Yeah, and what I'll do is I'll, I'll kind of read the quite lengthy response from or answer from Sony. So here it goes. According to a 2019 study, the importance of Call of Duty to entertainment in general is indescribable. The brand was the only video IP to break into the top 10 of all entertainment brands among fans. Joining powerhouses such as Star Wars, Game of Thrones, Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings. Call of Duty is so popular that it influences users choice of console. And its community of loyal users is entrenched enough that even if a competitor had the budget to develop a similar product, it would not be able to rival it. Each annual Call of Duty release takes around three to five years to develop. As Activision releases one Call of Duty game per year, this equates to an annual investment of hundreds of millions of dollars. Approximately 1,200 people work on each version and another 1,500 are involved in publishing and distribution. Thus, Call of Duty alone has more developers than most games companies employ across its entire development portfolio, including AAA studios. Also, given its plan to recruit 2,000 additional developers by 2021, Activision probably expects Call of Duty to be even more successful in the future. No other developer can devote the same level of resources, expertise in game development. Even if they could do that, Call of Duty is overly entrenched, so no rival, no matter how relevant they are, can catch up. It is synonymous with first-person shooter games and essentially defines the category. This is also demonstrated by player engagement on social media. Call of Duty has over 24 million followers on Facebook versus 7 million for Battlefield. 
and over 12 million followers on Instagram versus 2 million for Battlefield. To say the least, players would be unlikely to switch to alternative games as they would lose that familiarity, those skills and even friends they have made playing the Call of Duty games. Even in weaker years like 2021, Call of Duty Duty still managed to outperform most other games by a considerable margin. Call of Duty Vanguard 2021, for example, was widely regarded as weaker than previous year's titles, but was still one of the best-selling games of 2021. In other words, even in a bad year, players remain loyal to the brand and continue to buy the game. So that was a rather lengthy response that Sony had, or answer that Sony had, you know, just to articulate how they felt about the actual acquisition. But sorry, isn't there a nuance that this this is specifically in Brazil only where it leaked? Because the way the the laws are, they have to they have to be more transparent. The reason only reason I'm bringing that up is because it's a developing country, isn't it? <laughs> and whether these kind of like ruthless tactics is is a bit more the norm there versus in places where we live, like the UK or the US. Because ultimately, we're going to ask the question: Is there like some culture change and dirty tactics being played versus is that the norm of how things are done within that region or country? Potentially, but equally, I just wonder: like the regulators, whatever country asks these questions, and the only difference is that the Brazilian authorities just publish it, you know, make it kind of like public, you know, what a diesel, and you know, for all I know, and for all we know, this is was the standard sony response to any regulator yeah Yeah, because obviously with regulators you know you have to be super careful about how you respond um i'm guessing they employ people to kind of like write these responses yeah Yeah, but this is so so but this is about sony objecting microsoft's purchase of activision blizzard but what's that going to do with the brazilian regulator well they've got they've got they're, they're going through the process of approving the purchase now from region to why, re- region to why, region. But why? Yeah, region. So they have to go... region to region. Yeah, mm. it's region by region. That's that's the difference. Yeah, they have to. But why specifically Brazil? It's Bra- Brazil. I mean, if yeah. anything, you'd be selling of the game. They have to go from region to region. So obviously, all the local regulators get, you know, uh, involved. But the difference with Brazil is that they've made they've made the information public because mm. they can. Whereas, like the UK or the US or anybody else, they're not going to make that sort of thing public. Yeah, so that's the main difference, and that's how, that's how people have learned all of this. Yeah, and Sony again, they're the only ones who have kind of really yeah. come out and basically, you know, objected openly. Okay, okay, so so this is, so you're saying this would be a stock response to any regulator, and more specifically, probably in the US, where this would apply more in terms of yeah, the I, I think it is. I mean, you, you can't imagine Jim Ryan for every kind of like question he asks, kind of like typing out something new, right? You know, he's got the he's got the lawyers. Right to write up a stock response, like like you would do, like say for a, for a bank and their regulators, right? You don't have anybody write kind of response to a to a regulator, you know. You have a person who knows what they're doing write response, yeah. And that person not even the CEO, but it's just that it so happens that it's now been made public, and obviously what that kind of says to us is that Sony are not that happy about it. They've got something to lose, obviously. Yeah. Well, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, there'll be loads of sales and stuff around Call of Duty, but then it's it's, it's quite 
I've not played a Call of Duty game in that God knows how yeah, many. You, you don't, Al. <laughs> <laughs> but in millions of other people who do, that's the problem. Yeah, probably. Uh... Yeah, I don't. But you know, there's yeah, millions of other too, people, yeah. and that's the problem with it. It, I, I, so I don't play them properly, but I've played a couple of the the uh, the betas over the last three years. I've actually done that fairly consistently. The gun mechanics—they have the same feel and weight as Destiny. It's it's come on a long way. Uh, so if you like the boots and the ground feel, it's there's no other game like it. It really is like it, they're in that genre. They they're the best. I, and and there, I, I, there is some weight no, behind that. That's right. In, in the no cadence they have in, in releasing new COD games and the quality they they maintain with every COD game. It's, it's nothing to be scoffed at. It's it's quite impressive, actually. I mean, even if you don't like the COD games, what they're able to do and the way that the machine that's behind it, you know, that's impressive. But let's let's move on to, to the Microsoft response. So what Microsoft said is pretty much this. Only one third party, Sony, presented materially different opinions that the applicants and the other third parties consulted by the SG Sony is isolated in its understanding and curiously even contradicts itself in response to the letter, as will be detailed below. Microsoft's ability to continue expanding Game Pass has been obstructed by Sony's desire to inhibit such growth. Sony pays for blocking rights to prevent developers from adding content to Game Pass and other competing subscription services. It only re reveals once again a fear about an innovative business model that offers high quality content at low cost to gamers, threatening a leadership that has been forged from device-centric exclusive focus strategy over the years. So there you have it. Sony objects, Xbox responds. I mean, is it anything that we didn't expect, if you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's kind of um, how I kind of look at it now. It's almost a, a, a difference in ideologies and, you know, business models. You know, that, that's that's where the battlegrounds lie now. And um, without even drilling into the to the facts, I mean, they're both big corporates. They're both as, you know, as bad as each other. They, they've both played the kind of um, exclusivity line plenty of times. I mean, what Microsoft are ultimately doing right now is they're not exclusive, but they've got a model where whereby they're saying, we're not exclusive, but why the hell would you play anywhere else? Yeah, because this is how much it costs here. If if this goes through, and I think it will. Yeah, I think it will. Sony are shafted, I think, because I don't think they can produce enough first-party games to add enough weight against the weight that's coming on Game Pass. So, um, I I I think Sony are are well within their right to object in the way that they have because it's. But this is these are normal tactics. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I don't Talk, think. Sorry. I mean, he even says that you know Xbox aren't. Yeah, you know, they'll the, it, Call of Duty will still be available on on you know on Sony as a platform, right? It doesn't mean it has to be on their subscription service, but just the fact that it's about the game passing is, is seems like it seems like the main objection here. Um, just seems really weird that they're focusing on yeah. just Game Pass. Well, that's that's the thing. I mean, think about this, right? You can either outright kill the opposition with a stab to the heart or you can cut the opposition with a slash to the artery 
and allow them to bleed slowly. <laughs> and I kind of think the, the Game Pass approach is the bleed slowly approach. Because over time, people will kind of see the value and they'll say, well, why am I paying £70 for this? Yeah. Or I could just pay this for this. And over time, slowly, Sony's mind share and the community will start to get drained. That's pretty much what I think they're thinking. And you know, Microsoft knows exactly what they're doing. Yeah, we shouldn't look at them as a the good Samaritans either. They know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, you know these are the battle lines right now, and it's going to be interesting to see what how it unfolds. And I, I kind of I agree with um, Jay to a point where he's saying like, if this deal goes through, you know, Sony are, are, are screwed. I think in the in the in the long term they're screwed. Yeah, yeah. in the long term. That's what I mean. That's that's what I mean. That's what I mean. In the short term, they've still got deals, and we know they're going to have. COD games for at least two years on the platform, so that's okay. And even Microsoft have said that you know COD's going to be available on PlayStation in Game Pass on the same day. All that is is ban optics for Sony. Yeah, that's all it is. It's ban optics for Sony. Yeah, it take, it'll take a while for the because remember that there's, there's probably of the gaming community. I'm making this up, right? I'm I'm guesstimating that. 20% at max, or maybe let's, say, let's call it argument, say 30% are up to date with the recent news, right? There's there's probably a bunch of people who will continue playing on the PlayStation not re- and keep paying for it every year, not realising they can get on Game Pass. But the new word will get out eventually, and then, then what? <laughs> yeah. Once, they're on, once you're on Game Pass, once you're on, so whatever it means it is a Xbox exclusive or one of the games that are part of this deal, and there's so many of them, you're on, you're on. It's going to be very hard to justify the the next purchase of a Sony game for £60. I, I do think, you know, I was saying to Al, I think last podcast, like Game Pass is not the only way to win. It's one way to win. But equally, the, what, what Sony are doing now isn't really the way to win. They need to augment what they have. To, be, to stay competitive, whether it's to, to grow their services, you know, properly, you know, all some, and all something else. That's the thing. I mean, I think what I would think is that they can't be they can't be static in this. It'd be interesting. I mean, it'll be interesting. I mean, as 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 Microsoft even said that they're going to stop selling Call of Duty on Sony platform. Is that what they've said? They don't have to. They don't have to. All they can have to do is show people the value proposition mm. that they have on game, game Pass. In fact, it's actually quite a strong thing for them to have Call of Duty games on a PlayStation console for £70 or US dollars. Because number one, they'll be able to demonstrate conclusively the value proposition of Game Pass to, to whatever gamer. And they're still going to basically make money off Sony. I mean, I- for the price you pay Double-edged. for the game once, you get like what three or four months, or even longer, of Game Pass. Then you could play the game anyway. Mm. <laughs> it's a complete Trojan horse. They've, they've, they've. That's they've... totally what it is, and it's about value. Sony have got to basically show value in in their own way. You know, yeah, in the long through, term. through their own subscription service or something. It's a, it's a, it's a long term play. You know, it's a long term play. Definitely, you're bleeding your opponent. You're taking away their ability to fight. That's how I've always looked at Games Pass. Actually, take away their ability to fight. There'll there'll be there'll be a book written on how 
how good but that this, uh, approach is. But, you know, we, we've been saying on the podcast for a while around, is Game Pass actually making any money, right? You know, I think they're just slowly bleeding themselves, but, you know, not to the same, not the same extent as bleeding, you know, Sony out even more, I guess. It's just like, just a, just a game of attrition. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly, Al. Now, I think on this year, Microsoft, we know, much bigger company, they can fund this thing for a long time. Yeah. But equally, huge value now. But really, it has to be because of the competition. If over time the competition isn't really there anymore, what's going to happen? They can charge more. That's the reality. Right now, it has to be. It has to be the value they, they give it at because they've got big competition in Sony. Over time, if that competition becomes weaker and weaker and weaker, well, we're the leaders now. We can do what we want. And that's always been the way. So what I would say to Sony is they should do something with um, with, with EA. Um, get Apex Legends on it and in some way. That's the only competition they've got, really. I, no, I don't think it's anywhere near. Yeah. I don't think it's the same weight in my eyes. Yeah, potentially. It'd be interesting. I mean, what they need to do is basically... Uh, Stop things going on to Games Pass that are important. How they do it is another thing. So let's let's move on from that. And I'll say like, there's only one bright spot for Sony in all of this, in that the UK authorities are actually concerned by this Activision Blizzard purchase by Microsoft, and they actually do believe it could harm PlayStation. So the deal now may now be referred to the phase phase two investigation. Don't know what that means. But I think uh, they had f- five days to submit a a response, and then after that five days, you know, it was going to go to this uh, phase two investigation. But if it doesn't, if how does it work? I don't, I don't know if you know, but it, it, do they have to get approval from all regions for the whole deal to go ahead? I can't, I can't see how. So. This is a. I mean, the companies are. I guess well. Blizzard, Blizzard is global. I mean, you've got global. parts in like France and other places, but but surely the regulators can only challenge it if the companies are actually registered locations in those countries, right? So so it doesn't seem to make yeah, a exactly, lot of sense yeah. that they can block this stuff. And no, and no, then the EU EU will be different, though, won't it? The UK regulator might say, "Well, we don't approve yeah, you could, this you thing." Could, yeah, they can, so that's the only thing they could do. That's the only thing they could do. Yeah, that's that's pretty what it is. Yeah, it's it's basically you have a market here. The market, you know, you have to follow the the rules of the market. And so this is what yeah, it's Yeah, but really it's a company takeover. It's a company takeover. Yeah, it's so not you to... could, ha- you could. Ha- yeah, no, but no, but it's, it's no, it's like, but it's like Netflix, right? They they have they can only show certain content in certain regions and certain countries. It's a US company. Mm. They've got data centers around the world, but how they actually deploy each instance into each country it has to be abiding by those laws, right? The... That's right. That's right. So it's it's all about that. It's all about but, being but, able to do business in that in that region. But but what the implication is, it, this the UK yeah, can't, can't stop the overall yeah, merger. They can't. That's what Al is trying to say. They can not. stop. They can stop the deployment of Call of Duty in Game Pass in the UK potentially. Yeah, potentially. They can't stop the merger. The reality is, the UK, regardless of what we think the size is, is an important market. And when they yeah, think, when they speak, people yeah. will kind of take notice. Yeah, but I I, I think it's not it's 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 important from a state. <laughs> yeah, player counts can't be that high. Actual number. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Users, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, like, I mean, what Microsoft don't want is that 
the UK blocked this, and then other people will follow suit. Yeah, because yeah. remember, the I think the the UK in part also blocked the Nvidia Risk. That, I mean that. I mean that's a completely separate thing. But that was they had plenty of opportunities to do that a long time ago. Mm. But the fact that they late, waited to the right end is stupid. But you know that's a separate thing. But what I'm kind of saying is it can be blocked. But that's a specifically a UK company. That's UK systemic. That's that's very different. Yeah, totally. And the Activision is a US company, you know, when it's all said and done. But they need to operate multi multi kind of like markets. That's that's the reality of it. And, and you know, they're gonna want that. They're gonna want to be active in every single market. That's the thing, it's a global brand. But I mean I think we gotta watch that space. I, I still think it's gonna go through. Yeah. You yeah. know? It's gonna be a next year thing, certainly. But it's you know, I feel it's gonna go through. The, the only way I could see it ever getting blocked is if the EU regulators step in, because Blizzard have a strong presence in, Fr- in, in Europe and France, uh, or, or the US. That's the only two places. I mean, otherwise, it's going through. It only takes one regulator, and yes. the, the risk could, could like, potentially tumble. That's the thing. No, I, I, yeah, I mean, but, 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 I, I, but I think it would only tumble because Microsoft say, well, the numbers don't stack up if we lose that region. But the UK doesn't have enough numbers. Well, to stop I don't this. think it will stop it. They'll but, go ahead no. with it. It'll complicate things, that's for sure. Yeah, but then, then if it goes through, I mean, how a lot the UK might block it for a certain amount of time, but they'll eventually let it. They'll yeah. Pressure. I mean, we'll, we'll see. I mean, stranger things have happened. Obviously, I I don't think obviously it's going to get stopped, but you know, Nvidia not being able to acquire Risk, and Nvidia are an extremely big and powerful company as well. Yeah, they're not they're not small fry. So that that for me was okay. That was surprising. So things can happen, and I, I think we're maybe counting our chickens. I still think it's going to happen, but there, there could be some, some, there could be some bumps yeah. in the road for them. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think that's there's still. Honestly, Xbox, PlayStation having their dance off. So lots of bad optics for Sony, and obviously The Last of Us Part One, a remake, remaster, what you want to call it, it's a remake. You know, been been out there for a long time, and I think really. When it's all said and done, it's actually reviewed quite well. And, you know, based on what, you know, Digital Foundry kind of uh, saw, they said there's a lot of work being put into this. No doubt about that. But still, bad optics. Yeah. yeah? It's a £70 game, which is a, basically a remake. I was just going to add, that is it, aren't Sony getting sued as well? For <laughs> that that was a ridiculous one. It's totally ridiculous. And it's, it's basically... It's a bit of a sham, I think, because it's a it's a UK based um, lawsuit as well, and I think they're talking about was it that Sony have ripped off? Is it nine million? Five, no, it was something. It was something. It was something pretty large, but it was like a ridiculous number, and it was just like, yeah. I, yeah. what? It's to it's to do with the PSN store. Yeah, the, the, the seventy thirty percent split mm. that everybody. In the world, does it's, it's <laughs> the same way, thing that's yeah. just been aired by everybody. you know Epic and Apple. It's Epic, like, come on, Apple, Microsoft. <laughs> everybody does this. Every single person. It's 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 uh, it, it, it's probably it's probably Microsoft who's got that. Stuff well, you imagine go. if this was one right, who would be next? <laughs> Microsoft would be next. Yeah, but you know what? It, it's a bit of a sham because I, I when I read about this, right? It, it's it's a specific law firm going after them. You know, whatever the number might be, let's just call it 9 million gamers. 
I'm pretty sure not one of those nine million gamers basically asked this, you know, law firm this to to step in. It was yeah, the other well, way around. Yeah. <laughs> I'm representing the so-called nine million gamers. They don't even know I'm representing them. Yeah, they don't know that they're being yeah. ripped off. Yeah, they don't know that they're being ripped off, and like, they don't even know they they need help. Yeah. And it, it was such a sham. I just thought to myself, this is just nonsense. You know, like, um, who is this person? You know, like, who is this person, you know, doing this? No gamers have literally kind of asked for this, I think. But again, it all counts about optics. Doesn't change, right? Doesn't change, but... I don't think they care. They don't care. They just don't <laughs> yeah, it's just a sham, though. It's, it's a sham of a, of a lawsuit. It's just, you know... No, sorry, what I meant is, like, lawsuit or not, the, the whole list of uh, optic stuff that you're going to take us through is from a position of Sony are have, feel like they have so much influence and power and momentum with with their brand, where they're heading with their film studios, with the sales of their PS5, that any new, bad news, Ain't that bad. any lawsuit is not going to stop us. We're too. We're too. You know. Okay. What, what's too... the worst that's going to happen? Right. Again, they might get fined, but that's assuming they even get anywhere near. You know, actually, actually landing. And and then what? Right. You know, are the regulators actually going to block them from the UK from selling any PlayStation, any you know, any Sony product? I don't no. know. It just seems so crazy that they just probably just like. Cares. We've got. We've got. We've probably got their own law team to go and look at it, and actually, they'll keep them busy. Yeah, and 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 these companies are getting sued all the time. Yeah. It's normal. But you know, it's it's continued bad up. You might be right. I mean, so they might not care about this. But at some point, they're going to have to. PlayStation yeah. Premium, which is you know obviously there's their service. Um, that top tier continues to be pretty rubbish. Much as I can see it, the the essential, and actually the extra tiers are actually quite good. Those seem to be looking looked after, but I can't help feeling what is this premium tier actually about? Yeah. It needs to turn into something else, and and maybe, Jay, to your point, when they when they do get the film and esports and all this other stuff off the ground, right? They can refactor some of this stuff and you know make the premium tier actually meaningful. We've talked about Xbox um, announcing COD will be on Game Pass and PlayStation day one. And uh, we obviously know that right now, PlayStation has had to raise prices in Europe, uh, the APAC in the UK, with the US remaining as is. But the um, PlayStation price tag has gone up by, in the UK anyway, £30. Told you how to get one. You should have got one then, you like... You, you wait, still don't You're waiting for a price yeah. drop, it's going up. It's, It'll it's be on sale at some point. <laughs> no, it won't. Uh, and that's the other thing. I don't think we're going to have any sales in no, this generation. I mean, the, the, the consoles hardly go on for sale. They just bundle more. That's how much you get. Yeah. Um, my personal opinion is, you know, I don't think £30 is excessive based on what, what the economy is, how the economy is looking. And also, like, um, I think Sony as a company, you know, they're yen-based. So I don't know what the foreign exchange currency might look like. The, the yen is yeah. extremely weak, but you know it's not the GBP is just yeah. as, just as bad, really. But still, yeah, yen is still weaker. But I, I've never seen a console kind of well, not a Sony console, and it basically go up in price. Um, but you look at it, you know, Meta, their headset 
has gone up a hundred dollars. A hundred dollars. But that that's in, in improved tech and quality, though, isn't it? Built into that price, not just. But then also again, the um, the components are probably more complicated, so less volume. So the components are more unique, and they sell less volume, and therefore it, it, it it's in that higher price bracket. When you aggregate it up, it adds up to the hundred pounds probably quite quickly. Yeah, it's like an an, an expensive product, let's say cars. When when it goes up, it goes up a much. It seems like it goes up a a, a much bigger factor. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe this stuff is tracking inflation. I don't know. You you well, have you have to see it as a percentage yeah. of the actual cost, isn't it? Yeah, and don't forget this the whole supply chain yeah. and everything else as well. But, I mean, the reason the cause for the 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 price increases, I think, yeah, is multiple yeah, factors. Totally. Um, so Economy, strength of the yen. Um, so, you know, supply. Yeah, just just going back on that um, Sony being sued. It was apparently for five billion pounds, and it's against nine million users. So the nine million users scaled by sixty-seven pounds to five hundred odd pounds each. Which is not going to get. No, this is like it's well, a lot of bollocks, basically. <laughs> mm. I, I mean, the real things, fair enough, but this is doesn't feel real. You know, it feels like a, somebody mm. trying to make a name for themselves. That's how it feel, feels to me. I mean, on the price hike, I mean, I, Microsoft have responded, uh, or Xbox have responded, saying they've got no plans to raise prices, and we should put yet in brackets, yeah, because Microsoft actually have raised the price of Xbox in India twice. Right. Yeah, it will depend on region to region and where it's being manufactured, right? So all your parts and stuff. So there's there's, there's yeah, definitely, definitely multiple factors involved in this. You know, not so much. Um, well, bad optics for some people. Sony have acquired Savage for the mobile game division and then obviously insisted that this won't impact their single player narrative games. So they're, you know, obviously having, and they did that quite strongly actually. The more I reflect on them, I mean, how many single player games do they actually have? True, there? true. But uh, the thing is, it's again, it's it's going back to your rep and your, your optics and all of that sort of thing. Yeah. I mean, I mean that's, that's, that's how they looked upon. And those single-player games sell tens of millions. You know, it's, it's the rep they have with it. Sony have made this mistake as a brand outside of gaming before, where they got too confident and cocky. And they're making the same mistake again here, I think. I think I'm, I'm starting to believe that more and more. <laughs> I know they are. And, and, and I think the other thing is, I think Phil's, the way they've restructured Microsoft and they've given Phil Spencer more power... I think there's more longevity in the leadership there at Xbox who actually make the real decisions, which leads to them doing better decisions for gameplay and longer strategic things versus Sony and their CEO is probably going to go disappear after two or three years or whatever, then just wants to make as much money as he can in the time that he's there and probably cares a little bit less about... Jim Ryan's a businessman, that's for sure. And it, it, it kind of feels that um, the people who... We're into gaming, running PlayStation, no longer there, no longer have any kind yeah. of power. So you know, I'd say that's that's a fair assessment. But getting back to it, I mean, again, Sony have acquired Savage for the mobile gaming division, so they're obviously looking for it to expand, and you know, it's all that sort of thing. And the only I don't even call this a bright spot, but they they took a I think a 14% stake in in From Software. Yeah, so that's that's the one. Bit of positive news about Sony, you know, the last month. I think, I think so. Not been a great month for them, that's for sure. That that last bit's not positive. For oh yeah, yeah, that's, Sony, that's, that's right. 
But it, I think, you know, again, we talked about how can Sony stop things coming onto Games Pass? They don't have to buy the studio. Well, it sounds like, based on what Xbox's response was, they're paying people. They're paying people to not actually put it onto Game they Pass. They got it. They got it. Is, yeah. Money's got to change hands, right? This, this is where they, this is their first big mistake. Rather than leading into it, because it's going to happen, they should put whack all their first parties on there and just get on with it. Stop people even looking at the fence to get Game Pass. Get them invested properly Yeah, Spend, in their ecosystem. Exactly. Rather than spending money blocking the other way, fix your own problem. Get, get the people hooked on your first party Gan Turismo's the games that were already out are coming because you've got movies and all these other things are coming on right get them even more hooks and glued in the new generation of people that haven't played some of these old games some of these games came out a long time ago Gran Turismo has been a while since I've had a good decent game Last of Us 2 okay that's just come out recently but like the Horizon Still a fairly new franchise. God War's just been rebooted. You know, this only had one game, and I just—they have more confidence than 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 people. I think people give them too much praise, to be honest, for their first-party games. They are good, but there's not, there's not that enough volume of them. There's not enough to justify them doing the moves that they're making around holding it off from their premium tier and chucking them all in, and then saying all their future games are going to be in there. There's only one reason, or two reasons. One, they can't afford to, and number. Number two, it's you know they don't want to move away from their business model. We looked at the whole why couldn't Sony do Game Pass thing, and when you look at their, if you guess even if you guess their numbers, right, there's no reason why they couldn't necessarily. But the reason is their profit margins. They lord their kind of first party. I mean, if you look at their financial reports, right, they actually line by line talk about their first party games, line by line. Yeah, but but they're gonna they're gonna reach a point because the the price differential is huge. If you're a gamer and you're playing Game Pass versus you just have to buy three Sony games, and that covers like a couple of years of two years of Game Pass almost three or four games. Yeah, those decisions people are gonna be forced into soon when when Game Pass gets even more momentum, right? You know, got the games coming out in the next six months, and then there's the backlog games they haven't released this year, and maybe that's the year. other perspective as well. It's it, it's gonna that that it's gonna be a hard wall that comes of people, go, and it's based on price, huge price differences. They're gonna be forced into this position, and they they must know it, right? Now, Game Pass, Xbox now have a position where they have so many game studios, and invested so much in buying out these other companies with the studios. That they, they probably won't make as much money that, that much money from the from the Game Pass subscription. They have to increase the price. Sony have less franchises and are arguably less cost to develop their their brands that are synonymous with Sony. I think it's not the case that they they are going to lose money by moving to a Game Pass model. Is they're going to make less money now if they did it? That's exactly what I mean. Their profit margins are going to be less they basically take you know they've got massively invested in what yeah, those but they, but, you know first but, party but, games but, are but 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 there's the opp- opportunity cost slightly more longer term right let's take this example and I, I, um they they lost out to xbox 360 
it is hard work getting people back onto the PlayStation when the Xbox 360 was a thing. They've done it, right? If the people switch to Game Pass, that's well, harder. Kind of, yeah, harder switch around. Yeah, I think it's going to be harder. But cause J- Jay, not, you're not at the volume not of games. In terms of numbers, they actually didn't lose that Xbox 360 generation. But at the by end, the, they sold more. Yeah, by the end they sold more, but but they they had to. There's a fight. They were the underdogs from until the end. Yep. But you know, I. I I'm not sure. I mean, Xbox, X- 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 Xbox was a was a nobody. Yeah, yeah, De- definitely. Until Xbox 360. Definitely. And then they are they're still a somebody now. Yeah, I do wonder Xbox. if it's the point that Sony don't think that Game Pass has any legs on it, and I wonder if that's really down to part of their thinking. Why they want to retain the model they have because they don't think this has legs on it, and they're just trying to wait it out. Yeah, because there's 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 lots of reasons yeah, they wouldn't do this, and obviously uh, we we've gone about the profit margin, how they basically lord over their their first party, you know, software and games. But then the other thing is, do they actually think that this has legs on it? That's the other question. See, I I I I, I think the Xbox, Microsoft have got the whole PC platform as well, as well as Xbox. If if Sony, there's rumours of it as well, bringing them bringing their PS Plus having a PC version tier to their PS Plus, eventually, they could go after the whole PC yeah. market as well, couldn't they? Yeah. But I, I do think the, the people who have the, the PC platform are not actually Microsoft, it's Steam. It's Steam, yeah. yeah. No, but I'm saying, I'm saying um, they've got, it's not just Xbox, they've got access to a subscriber base within the whole PC market. True. Yeah. Very true. But, you know, that's where we're at. Xbox and PlayStation are, you know, dancing on so let's see how this basically um, develops. I think we, you know, we're in for a very interesting end of the year. Maybe Sony will show their hand. You know, who knows? Maybe they'll say nothing. I said nothing. Yeah. Nothing. This is. I think next year will be very I, telling. I, I, I think I, I, my, my prediction is that we're going to walk into a, a much slow-moving news cycle period for games, until we have a. a huge shift in game models maybe movie franchises might revitalize things i think i think it's going to be a bit of a, a it's almost like the winter's coming for gaming yeah yeah a, a, a little bit i think you know things will just get into certain level of cadence the other thing i do i do wonder is like if sony are thinking game services and free to play and whatever they're kind of going to experiment with next or is going to basically be their saving grace because you know yeah. quite honestly if they had two big genshin like games out there yeah i don't think they'd even care they, they wouldn't care about game pass because that would be making yeah. them far too much money they wouldn't care yeah yeah and i, I think that's where they're i'm saying to, to al right but what they're trying to do now is that it's a battle for business models you know, and they want to retain their first party triple a status in the games because that's important to them but they're trying to supplement it with these other things right that make yeah. not going to game pass viable because really sony's end game and any company's end game is not whether they they go to game pass or another service or any of that stuff are we making lots of money yep. and i don't care how they do it yeah but but, but sorry we can drag this conversation what are they gig? I think people give too much weight to their their, their first party games. You've got 
Gran Turismo, where the last one was a bit of a flop, really, and the new one isn't doing massively well. You've got Horizon Forbidden West, right? It's a good franchise, but I don't think it's got the huge mass market well, appeal compared to other games. Think on this number. Horizon Zero Dawn sold 20 million. Oh, yeah, okay. it's not small. Oh. See, none of these franchises yeah. are small. Mm. And I, I, then, yeah, yeah, ironically, okay. the franchise that has been has sold in terms of numbers, that I thought, that's not a big number in comparison to other things, right? was actually Uncharted. But arguably, that's one of their best-known franchises franchises but that sold about 10 plus million you've seen you've seen other companies mm. have strong franchises the call of duties mm. the and they sit on their laurels and 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 each franchise fades yeah right right i don't i still don't see sony's brands there those games are not 10-year franchises you keep, no they, they're not because on. sony are not the company who basically basically keep their franchises forevermore because if you look at the playstation 1 or more likely playstation 2 and 3 franchi franchises they flip over every generation yeah okay. Yeah, they, they don't true. retain them yeah if you think about what we used to play jack and daxter uh yeah. siphon filter um what was that what did on twisted twisted metal yeah all gone all gone right um yeah you know so they i mean Uncharted stuck around. That's done now. I yeah, that's even that's kind of like come to an end, right? So they don't. And I think the Last of Us yeah. will have probably one more, and they've done as well. I think, I'd be surprised if you even had one more. Yeah. I think a Naughty Dog. I mean, Naughty Dog. Uh, was it Naughty Dog? Yeah, they're, they're coming out yeah. with the what is a live service version game of um, Last yeah. of Us, that's but that's it. That's, it, yeah. that's the end game. So I mean, they're not that company. That's that's why I really think right that. They've got very little interest in following the Microsoft model, but they they're looking for other ways to make money. And it, you know, for me, it, it feels like live service games because the, the type of investments they've made, I think ah, that's got to be it. Well, anyway, guys, we've we talked at length. I think you know the PlayStation and Xbox dance off. Let's let's move on to the next topic. Okay, Al, the next topic I want to get into is really uh, PC gaming hardware. Mm. You know, uh, it looks like obviously we're going next gen. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, and that is obviously around um, CPU and GPU. Mm -hmm. uh, now, f for this podcast, it, I'm really going to focus on CPU. Yeah. Um, basically, both Intel and AMD have their CPUs out reviewed out in the open i think the intel one's not up for sale just yet mm. at a time of recording but obviously uh you know the ndas are done and the reviews yeah, are out yeah 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 and we'll get to gpus for the next podcast you know as of this time uh, amd are yet to release their rdna free cards mm. intel have basically released arc of sorts mm -hmm. and nvidia obviously they they've disclosed you know, and release what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So let's get into it. I mean, you know, what did I say? It's, you know, it's like the CPU walls, right? <laughs> and let's be honest, kind of AMD shot its load first. 
you know <laughs> excuse all these kind of like sexual innuendos I'm, I've got littered around all of my uh, kind of like material <laughs> well let's talk about this um, so AMD Ryzen 7000 series desktop CPUs okay what do they give us well the information is based on the high end 7950X mm. it's Zen 4 architecture they're basically introducing a new platform uh, AM5 socket with you know commitment to support the socket until at least 2025 you know those plans could change obviously mm. you might get more you might get less mm. but you know so far amd have been quite reliable yeah when it comes to platform support yeah they've been supporting am4 for quite some time you know i've got one yeah it's, it's been pretty good so yeah let's hope um they, they do a good job with am5 as well indeed They've got uh, PCIe 5 support. They've got DDR5 support with memory, but no DDR4 support. So obviously not backwards compatible with the, you know, mm. the old flavor of memory. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They've got AVX512 for AI, um, which is ironic because um, Intel have all but abandoned it for their desktop CPUs. Mm -hmm. And it works with uh, AM4 CPU coolers. Uh, so there's, um, you know, there's there's a little bit of, of reuse there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, and for, well, the first time, as much as I can remember, they have integrated GPUs. <laughs> Two core. Mm. You're not really going to play, you know, AAA games on it. That's for sure. But it's there, and it's useful for useful for troubleshooting in the like. This particular GPU is be absolutely useless, <laughs> you know, for anything but maybe uh, really ancient games and or kind of your, you know, your kind of always Windows. Yeah, I'm just thinking browsing, browsing type stuff. Yeah, it, that's, that's or a even minimum browsing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but moving on from that, uh, it looks like AMD still have, you know, performance per gains here. Mm. And interestingly, they've got this 64... Sorry, 65 watt eco mode. Mm -hmm. um, it's like a toggle. I think you can. I think you can hit it through the BIOS. Um, but I've also introduced it to to Ryzen Master software, so you can do it via Windows. Mm -hmm. And it at 65 watts, it gives you better than 5950X and 12900K performance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that, you know, it's there's some use. There's some use there. Yeah, you know, there's some use there. Yep. There's some use cases definitely that might benefit from that. Now, I've I've kind of like laid out a, a table of some of the specs, and obviously, um, for for anybody just listening to the podcast, they won't see the table. For anybody on YouTube, they'll probably see it in the video. They're pretty much stuck to their convention of uh, between sixteen to six cores, so not a lot has changed there. But if you ob observe it, I mean, they're basically boosting up to you know, over five gigahertz and, you know, you're talking the high five gigahertz, you know, 5.7 for the 7950X, 5.6, 7900X and 5.4 and 5.3 for the 7700 and 7600. Mm -hmm. um, so they're getting mighty close to what Intel are doing. Mm -hmm. They've got almost parity here, which is not something they've done in the past. Mm. Cash-wise, obviously the usual... AMD style cash increases. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no doubt about that. Yeah. And for for this, 
generation their own TSMC's 5NM process node. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so they're getting benefits there. Yeah. But obviously, if you look at the power draw, also <laughs> has gone up. Yeah, yeah? Yep. also gone up. Now, I left the Ryzen uh, 5800X 3D there. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Reason for that is it's still a viable gaming pole right mm. now. It's worth a comparison, is what I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's still it's still viable as a gaming pod, that's for sure. And in certain titles, it it matches the new generation mm -hmm. in terms of AMD and Intel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But obviously, not for all workloads. It's <laughs> it's nowhere near as good for let's say um, creation and real work kind of based kind of workloads. Mm -hmm. So, what can you say about about AMD's seven thousand offering? Well, you know, versus AMD Ryzen 5000, the previous gen, you're getting a 29% improvement in single-thread performance and a 41% improvement in multi-threaded. Yeah, and it looks like most of the gains have been brought about by like a 13% IPC gain and much higher clock speeds, mm. much mm. higher clock speeds. Moving on from that, obviously, AMD have fired first. But there are blanks here. They find some blanks. There's no doubt about it. About that, mm. they're running with high temperatures, 95C, mm -hmm. 95C, which is kind of scary, you know, for anybody that's kind of yeah. like builds big PCs. I'm assuming those are the 7900s that are hitting that rather than the the lower end one. Uh, yeah, I think pretty much the obviously the higher end CPUs are the hotter CPUs. Mm -hmm. That's for sure. But what it reminds me of, it reminds me of conversations around uh, PS5 when it kind of came out. And <laughs> PS5 had this continuous boost. Mm. So it's CPU, it's Ryzen CPU behaved a little bit differently. Yeah, yeah. And it had a, that set power level. Mm. Yeah. And that was a power level that the system would work at. And it would really balance that between CPU and GPU. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, there was a lot of confusion because obviously most of the time you, you, you run with a base clock and you boost out momentarily, yeah? yeah. And then you come down to your base. But in, in, in that situation, it was always, you know, it was just hitting the boost as much as it could mm -hmm. and maybe dropping off slightly. And the reality of that is um, they didn't lose much performance when they had to actually drop off slightly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the performance wasn't scaling linear. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, ultimately, this is the start of a new, you know, uh, M5 platform, and it's expensive. Mm, yeah, yep, yep, that's yep. the reality. It does not support DDR4 memory. Yeah, and, and currently, what I hear, it's not selling well. Why? Could be factors about the economy. Could be factors that the the cheaper motherboards for AM5 are not yet out. Mm, mm. Could be factors that people are just waiting. <laughs> for Intel to produce, you know, their chips. And then also the other practical fact is, you know, if you upgraded within the last couple of years, unless you're the most, you know, like diehard enthusiast, you may not wish <laughs> to upgrade. That's the reality of it. Yeah, that's the thing. I've still got my, what, my, I'm still on the 3700X and it works perfectly fine. Like, I don't see any good reason for me to upgrade, you know, unless there's something really super duper that need, you know, needs the um the kind of top end stuff um i, I just don't i just don't need, see a need to to do an upgrade 
Yeah, that's the reality. I mean, I've still got my uh, 3950X mm-hmm. and it does everything I need it to do. <laughs> yeah. It does everything you need it to do. Yeah. So really, AM5 feels like a bit of a, a bridge generation, mm. you know, to get it, get themselves to that new platform. Yeah, the first one in that new socket. And and obviously then people testing the limits of that um, that ad- additional power draw and that, that kind of running in the higher temperatures, right? So... Yeah, like you're saying earlier, people do get uh, uncomfortable when it gets that that sort of high temperature. It, yeah, like you said, it no doubt pulls more power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, than previous gens. But what people have observed is that it doesn't seem to throttle at these high temperatures. Mm. Yeah, and I think AMD are offering obviously their guarantees are mm. based on that 95C spec. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and like I said, it's it's a different way of thinking about CPU behavior. <laughs> Um, that's that's the thing here it just means it's gaming as well as you know heating your home at the same time yeah but it's you know the 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 reality is is like i think a lot of people kind of worry about the you know the health the kind of part Mm, mm. more so than the heat of the room yeah yeah yeah, yeah. you know what i mean but it's uh, (laughs) a yeah i mean it it is it is i mean that's a high temp any any stretch of the imagination yeah but again it, it feels like they're pushing as hard as they can, right? And in past generations, anything that goes up to that, that level of temperature, mm. the immediate thing you think, it will throttle. Yeah, yeah. And that's your main concern. But this isn't doing that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure it throttles a little bit. Mm. But it, from what I've seen, from what <laughs> I've been been hearing, it's it's not at all significant. And mm. this is why I mm. think it's got shades of that whole PS5. Yeah, the interesting thing is whether the motherboard manufacturers are also going to be... Because, you know, there's standard sort of heat temperature room, uh, alarms and stuff. Whether they have pre-adjusted it to it as well, even with the with the new AM5 socket. So I'd new imagine they would have done if they were Yeah, AMD new chipsets, new biases. Mm-hmm. All of those things you can actually set anyway. Yeah, you can manually set the yeah, defaults. Yeah. I mean, I, I've not touched my default uh, alarm yeah. for my one. Those those defaults are pretty much set by you know the chip manufacturers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and the manufacturers themselves. So it's it's not like a how would you, how would you call it a, a global standard that everybody adheres to? Yeah, 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 yeah. It would have been subject to their own testing to prove out what scales they wanted. Yeah, and you know people basically also uh, do insane things with overclocking. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, these yeah. parts, it's it's not as if it's kind of unheard of. <laughs> it's just that for for a standard, yay standard consumer. Yeah, yeah. Right, and kind of like um, your standard enthusiast, you know, ninety five C's. Wow, mm-hmm. what's going on here? <laughs> and to be clear, this is a fast part. Mm. You know, when we're talking about a twenty nine percent improvement in single threaded and a forty one percent improvement on multi threaded, yeah, that's more than the last gen. Yeah. That's more than from, from two thousand to three thousand. Was was it also That's a for, massive jump? Was it also for this one? AMD lowered the prices of the ranges, or was it or, uh, or was it parity in terms of the you know how no, they do no. the eight hundreds to eight hundreds and stuff? They seem to lower the price of the top end chip by a hundred dollars. Yeah, I think that's what I heard. So yeah, okay, but, cool. Yeah, but everything else was seemed to be parity mm-hmm. with their previous gen. But it, it is a massive jump, mm-hmm. you know, in terms of forms. Of, you know, people kind of, you know, I think they're clear, but they kind of like um, the aspects of temperature and expense and power draw sort of kind of overshadowed it. Yeah, cool. Now moving on to Intel. 
<laughs> well, Intel, that's a big gun. Right, obviously, it, Intel 13th Gen Raptor Lake desktop CPU. Now, again, this information is based on the high-end 13900K. Uh, it's on the Intel 7 node, which is what we understand 10nm, or at least Intel's variant of it. Um, Raptor Lake, again, is got a hybrid big and little core config uh, with new Raptor called P cores, but the same Gracemont E cores. So those equals e e are the same, but they double those equals, certainly for the highest end chip. Mm. And it's still on the LGA 1700 socket, which is now effectively, this is end of life after this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's a dead platform for all intents and purposes. It does support PCI E5 and DDR5 and DDR4 support. Mm-hmm. No AVX 512 for AI, and you know, as we know, they're, they're definitely gonna, there definitely will be kind of a KS part, and mm. there are KF parts now. Yeah, now, how does this look? How does this stack up? Well, if you look at the pricing, it feels cheaper than AMD, mm. yeah, right, right across the board. Now, they they did kind of um communicate certain recommended retail prices mm -hmm. but largely i don't think you can get it for the recommended retail price mm -hmm. when i looked online and looked at the price range yeah you know you're, you're talking about i mean certainly for the the top end chip they were saying uh five nine nine dollars but really i've seen it between uh six two nine and six nine nine pounds yeah yeah so effectively, the the price of Intel, I oh, sorry, the price of AMD's top end. Likewise for the thirteen seven hundred K and the thirteen six hundred K. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you know the RRP's somewhat misleading. Mm. Core wise, you can see um, they've gone with an eight P core, sixteen E core at the top end. Mm. 8 and 8 for the 13700K in the middle end and 6 and 8 for the 13600K. Mm -hmm. But all that really shows us is that, you know, Intel have got some sort of a core count advantage now, even if it's in consistent size cores all the way, all the way across. And, you know, look, the, the max um, boost clocks are comparable. Mm-hmm very comparable over every each one of these guys is you know over five gig yeah but their their core count is obviously the the p and the e cores that, that's combined uh, yeah, yeah 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 definitely combined they've upped the cache as well so it's obviously that's helping with gaming mm -hmm. uh, i've said the process node is intel 7 but if you look at the power draw now <laughs> what they do they they've intel now split it between the max power and mm -hmm. base power yeah the max power for the two top end chips uh, 13900k mm. and 13700k 253 watts <laughs> 253 watts you know versus a tdp of 170 watts mm. i feel they draw more than that if yeah. allowed to yeah yeah but, uh, just to just to be clear now i've left the 12900k there because I, I think it's you know again it's still of very much a viable part mm -hmm. especially for gaming yeah yeah, yeah. And if you if you look at it, it's uh, retailing for a hundred pounds less than the than the new thirteen nine hundred K. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what can I say about Intel's 13th gen Raptor Lake? Well, compared to Intel's 12th gen, 15% improvement in single threaded. And that was already good. 41% improvement in multi threaded. And the large gains seem to be brought about by certainly the clock speeds for single threaded. And really for multi threaded, the combination of the actual threads, you know, mm. cache and clocks, that yeah. combination. Yeah. Now, moving on again, you know, it's not. It's not kind of like uh, plain sailing for Intel either. Um, because people have basically measured a 300 watt power draw <laughs> when all calls are engaged mm. on the 3900K. Mm. And it's measured 100C in bursts. So, so it's already breaching the max, even even the, what Intel are saying. So, mm. Yeah, the, the, the max is... I don't know what you call it. It's not really a max, is uh, it? Like an average max yeah. or something. <laughs> yeah, something along those lines. But you know, mm. it gives you an, it gives you an indicator rather than you know an absolute. You know, an absolute. Mm. This is what it's going to yeah, do. Yeah, like the yeah. TDP capped at that one. Yeah. Yeah, but it, you know, it's actually been measured to hit a hundred C. Yeah. It, again, I said they had shades of this continuous boost that the PS Five used. Mm. Yeah, and. Obviously, the platform that it's running on is end-of-life, LG A1700, end-of-life. And, you know, there's no upgrade path beyond 13th gen. Again, it could change. They could surprise us, but it's not likely. It doesn't seem to be the Intel way. You won't get the full performance uplift without DDR5. Yeah. Though in some stats and reviews I've seen, it might actually be marginal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It might actually be marginal. But there'll be some workloads in which, you know, obviously DDR5 will give you a clear advantage. Yeah. Uh, and obviously, more power usage than previous gens, and there will be high temps. No doubt about that. Yeah. Mm. What else can we say about uh, Intel's 13th gen? Well, even with these power levels and temps, it too does not really throttle. You know, uh, it does not throttle as we would normally think. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And the other thing to say is that this is Intel's second successive good CPU launch. Mm-hmm. As much as I can see. What I mean is the CPUs look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're reviewing well. No doubt about that. So, Intel close to being back. <laughs> For CPUs anyway. Now, what next? So, these CPU, CPU walls, I mean, it's a battle. It's not the complete war, right? But in summary, what we can see is Intel 13th Gen Raptor Lake wins performance, but it's really marginal in some cases. Mm-hmm. Like I've seen 5% differences uh, for Intel. Let's say 8% differences for AMD. More wins from for Intel, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're trading blows. Yeah. Intel definitely wins at single threaded. I think approximately I've seen ten between ten to fifteen percent better than Ryzen seven thousand. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But that's at the moment fairly normal for for Intel and has been for many years. Yeah. Yeah. Both are strong with multi threaded. Intel thirteenth gen is better with kind of lightly threaded workloads. Yeah. Um, AMD seven thousand is better where workloads need the kind of uniform sized core. Yeah. 
Yeah. Where this, you know, big little thing doesn't quite do it. Uh, for instance, Blender and V-Ray. Yeah. Yeah. AMD Ryzen 7000 has an efficiency advantage. No doubt about that. I mean, you you mean efficiency of clock performance versus power draw and that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not a power draw. They're both kind of like, um, well, in saying that, it, I think the power draw of AMD is, is somewhat less mm. in most scenarios. And I think I've heard that when it when you kind of limit the power, the performance of the AMD part is, I think, better mm-hmm. than the comparable, you know, uh, Intel part at the same power level. Yeah. Uh, but I haven't haven't seen conclusive evidence of that. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can actually also say that, but you know, obviously both AMD and Intel are pushing the you know the limits for power mm-hmm. for performance. Yeah, they're really pushing these parts hard this gen. Mm-hmm. So what's the why? And what I mean, why buy them? <laughs> well, thirteenth gen, and I've included obviously thirteen seven hundred K and thirteen six hundred K. It's actually better value. You're getting a better price per thread ratio, you know. Mm-hmm. You know you can't argue that. You know it's it's there, and 13 Gen is arguably arguably the quickest gaming CPU out there. But again, in some games, it does look marginal, mm-hmm. and it doesn't win everything, but it, it wins at most things. Yeah. If you're on the existing LG 1700 socket, it's clearly far cheaper to upgrade to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Drop it into your motherboard. No new motherboard. You can stick your DDR4 memory if you if you so wish, or you know get new DDR4 memory because it's you know it's still cheaper than DDR5. Mm-hmm. How about AMD Ryzen 7000 Zen 4? AMD is actually quite close in performance, and there are workloads where it actually just does make sense. AM4 is it's kind of like future proof. So your outlay is going to be spread across you know, a number of years for the motherboard and the memory and whatever else. Yeah. But the question you have to ask yourself is, are you really going to upgrade your CPU? <laughs> yeah, that's the question. Yeah. Yep. And if efficiency is your thing, then, you know, AMD is still the king. And it has this eco mode, 65 watt eco mode. And I'm thinking it might be, you know, uh, something you can use for small form factor PCs. I mean, I've got one got a mini itx mm-hmm. uh, and i did not put intel 13 gen <laughs> or an amd ryzen 7000 in it you know not at stock anyway mm-hmm. no way yep yep the other thing that's that was interesting that has been proved that is that changing or adjusting the uh ihs the integrated kind of heat spreader you know that, that <clears> lid <throat> if you like on top of the cpu you can drop temps i think uh the bow dropped it by almost 20 degrees Mm. but will AMD do that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and there was some speculation that a, a lot of it was about getting it to to be used with let's say um, the old AM4 uh, coolers mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that was part of the reason but don't know you know that's yet to be proven in terms of the why but you know it's possible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but the the last thing I will say is that if you do game and that's all you really want to do with this platform why not just consider <laughs> last gen? The Ryzen 5800X 3D yeah. still does a good job. Intel 12900K still does a good job. Yeah. And really, you know, get yourself a new graphics card. <laughs> you know, that's the other thing. Yeah, you're more likely to be capped on the on your GPU rather than your CPU. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. exactly. Especially if you game at 4K. Mm-hmm. You know, even if you're kind of like uh, going, you know, uh, 1440. Yeah. You know, because I think, I mean, there were some people who did actually a test with the, an RTX 1490. Mm-hmm. And arguably, arguably all the CPUs that we've just talked about uh, delivered the same frames. Yeah. But the same settings. Mm-hmm. It was no different. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, obviously, um, you know, you got that 4090 there. And that was that. Mm-hmm. It's it's, it's going to be GPU bound. Yep, yep. Let's move on. So, what could happen next? What's the, what's the next theatre war here? Well, Intel's 13th Gen Raptor Lake arguably comes in at a lower price for more performance. You can't really debate that. that I think that's the reality even if it is slightly marginal in certain circumstances. Mm-hmm. AMD's Ryzen 7000 arguably has far better efficiency, but is this a factor for most consumers? It may be one day, you know, looking at the surging cost of energy in the, you know, the way the economy looks. <laughs> Both have comparable performance for single and multi-threaded workloads. And on paper, Intel has advantages for the core count, yeah, on paper. Clocks on IPC are getting closer, which was what traditionally was an Intel advantage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I will say that AMD does need to drop prices because it's it's just not comparable, really. I mean, if you just take our, you know, a recommended retail price, mm. it really isn't comparable, yeah, because you're getting less performance for, for more money mm-hmm. yeah that is the reality and that's kind of been proven really mm. and the other thing i would say does amd six core seven thousand six hundred x actually make sense <laughs> yeah mm. does it need this skew and should a six core part now replace maybe the four core budget cpus because mm-hmm. things have moved on and if you're looking at it al if you look look at you know the prices you know you can see yeah, in terms of your top end, yeah. Yeah, and all of the Intel CPUs mm. do outperform the AMD ones, even if it is marginal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they trade blows, but it's you know, but there are definite kind of performance advantages. Yeah, it it just kind of depends, right? Because I think um, I think the thing that's that's probably missing from these sorts of things is that you've you almost need to do like a, a bit of a weighted average on those cores because you've got the P and the E cores in order to do at least do some level of comparison based on clock speed. Um, that That's the sort of thing that probably someone needs to average out, at least for multi-threading. Obviously, for single single core and, G, and sort of uh, mostly for um, for gaming, etc., then, then Intel definitely has the advantage. Um, but, you know, at the cost of more power draw. Yeah, I'm, I mean... The, the performance has been proven just by kind of running kind of benchmarks and applications mm-hmm. for single multi-threader. So, it, you know, for that, it's it's fairly conclusive. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it's just, you know, like I said, it, in certain circumstances, kind of a little bit marginal. Yeah. But there's a, you know, there's, there's a clear winner here. Mm-hmm. So even though Intel does have, let's say, these equals, mm-hmm. I think they're better than what they're better than what we think they are, mm-hmm. and the P cores them themselves pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, so it seems to balance out. Even putting that aside, from a pure marketing standpoint, mm-hmm. 
the number of calls. You look at him right away across the board. Mm -hmm. You see this. Uh, you see that uh, the thirty nine hundred K on a box has twenty four, mm -hmm. and the and the Ryzen seventy nine fifty eight has sixteen. Yep, yep. Or you look at the lowest end mm -hmm. skew, mm -hmm. six calls. Yep, yep. Thirteen six hundred K, fourteen calls. Yeah, but again, this is this is because the P and the E as well, though. And but then, yeah. but then the, the interesting thing there is that that at that price point. It's probably fine for you know Intel's probably gonna gonna push more of that in comparison to that of AMD's one. It might be the case that you know it's down to the E calls L, but mm. the thirteen six hundred K has six P calls, mm -hmm. six large calls. The Ryzen seven seventy six hundred X has six big calls. Mm -hmm. The difference is it gives you eight E calls in addition. Yep, yep. It's that addition. It comes in at maybe the Intel chip comes in at thirty, thirty mm. um, pounds more expensive. From the testing I've seen, it, it gives you significantly more. That's the thing for yeah, the money. I can I can imagine. I, I would I would imagine the Intel chip is 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 much stronger at that at that kind of um, the more mid range uh, within there. Yeah, it's it's one across the board now. Mm. Yeah, there's there's not one skew, skew where um, it's had good wins let's put it that way yeah 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 yep. and, you know and you know ultimately that's what i think you know amd probably should look at this for the next gen mm. i mean i think they, i think they will i, I think that this is the best thing that could actually happen mm. you know for cpus that intel have been able to produce this <laughs> you know uh and you know i think it will shift amd out of this comfort zone because mm. they've had this you for this is the third generation they've yep. had these number of calls yep. they haven't changed them yeah and now now the intel are chasing them um at least in actually probably beating them in quite a few different bits and yeah, yeah. like you say they won't be as comfortable as they used to yeah i mean they're they're, they're, they're winning more than they're losing intel mm -hmm. yeah that's for sure yep. yeah yeah what might they want to do in the immediate future well i've thought that maybe AMD need to adjust the SKUs they're offering mm. with a price reduction. Yeah. So I kind of yep. like, you know, drew up a little kind of um, table here and just kind of put my thoughts down. It's obviously completely fictional, <laughs> you know, but, um, you know, with the 7950X, obviously that, that continues to basically go up against the 3900K. Yeah. But yep. that, it really does need a massive, you know, price, price drop. Mm -hmm. Not maybe quite by a hundred, but, you know, something like seventy kind of like uh, pounds would yeah. be this. Well, I mean, to be honest, the retail price that's out there, depending on demand, you know, it's quite you're going to quite easily find things out there that's probably got a discounted rate that um, that the retailers can sell at anyway. So, um, yeah, it might end up being that whilst you know we've been through that period of things have been much more expensive than the retail price, maybe we're going back to that um, you know the 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 lack of that demand. Um, yeah, and out, you know, and then supply is outstripping you know, that of demand. So maybe you'll get those discounts, and and actually the retail price is still just an indicator, uh, and maybe that will that will skew it already. Yeah, I think I think AMD do need to give that indicator though, mm -hmm. because you know um, re retailers will kind of mark couple mark down yeah. in and around that. Yeah, and you know that's the first number. You know anybody that searches, uh, you know uh, information about these chips will see mostly. Mm -hmm. Yep. Even the Ryzen, uh, the Ryzen uh, 7900X, 
I just felt that can't be a Ryzen 9 anymore, surely. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. surely that has to be going up against something like the 1300K. Mm-hmm. 30, sorry, 1700K. Yeah. And getting a, a, a price drop to, you know, you know, be a bit, you know, more competitive with it. Mm-hmm. And uh, 70, 7700X uh, is a Ryzen 5. Mm. And have that, you know, take on the 13600K, really. Yep. Give it a bit of a you know price you know drop, and you know basically uh, get that you know peeing with uh, you know the the thirteen six hundred k. Yeah, I mean the thirteen six hundred k ironically will still have a core count advantage, but uh, with eight eight big cores versus six uh, big cores, and you know plus the eight e cores, you know it, it seems to be a fairer fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know I, mean? I mean maybe AMD is just taking the tack and saying let's just. This gen, we're not going to fight them as hard. And to be honest, with a global recession, maybe that's fine for now. Um, they'll must they'll sell significantly less if they're you know if they're not competing on price. Um, but maybe maybe they're okay. Maybe they're going to draw their attention to something else. Um, I, I don't think they're thinking like that. Or Al. Mm-hmm. I I think they basically um, thought they did enough. Mm-hmm. Well, if they're the first ones to also put the information out there, then. The, then yeah, Intel could have strategized behind mm. them to um to undercut them. Maybe, but the fact that they've not tried to increase core count mm-hmm. and priced, you know, some of these parts as much as they have, mm-hmm. maybe not on the higher end, but on the lower end, yeah, 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 makes you wonder. You know, are they getting complacent? <laughs> Recently, I think AMD's um, market capitalization actually outstrips Intel's. It- it would have done, I think. I think it yeah. would have, uh, because Intel was struggling that hard, and yeah. AMD had that momentum. So yeah, and five years ago, AMD was a company that seemingly were going out of business. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So if you think about it from that perspective, you know, you you kind of wonder what what's going on here. You know, it's, <laughs> are they getting complacent? And, you know, uh, are they becoming Intel- the Intel? <laughs> yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, we always said like it doesn't doesn't. Doesn't take a lot, does it? Mm-hmm. These companies are all the same, and you know you want Intel to give them a boot up the arse, and and vice versa, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Because that you know that dr- just drives up kind of um, you know innovation in the in the in the like. Yeah, yeah. But you know, look, the future's bright. I mean, for for all the kind of uh, negativity we've touched upon, there's a lot of positivity. These these are outstanding pieces of kind of silicon mm. you know they really are really good yeah yeah but obviously it comes at a cost comes with a kind of a specific kind of like power draw mm. no doubt mm. about that but things are, are marching ahead and i on the on the slide we're looking at right now i kind of posted kind of some roadmap information for both intel and amd i think we pretty much know in 2023 amd has x3d variants of the 7000 series uh and i would be honest with you i would expect them based off of that to you know take back the you know the gaming crown mm-hmm. quite comprehensively i think it's all about between 15 to 30 percent increase just by mm-hmm. putting you know 3d cache uh on the 5800x 3d and obviously wasn't wasn't good for all workloads but certain stuff gaming there was a few niche workloads you know creativity based workloads that it kind of worked well with i'm expecting it that to make waves 
Mm-hmm. And the last time around, that's their first generation with Vcash. This time, and a generation of maturity, quite interesting to see what happens. Mm-hmm. But will they release just the one SKU again? <laughs> or will they release multiple SKUs? Mm. I'm hoping that this um, heightened competition that Intel has provided them will mean they will release multiple SKUs and provide some discounts mm-hmm. you know, on the existing SKUs they have. In 2023, they, they, I think they're also looking to um, release Zen 4C. You know, but what is it? I think C means compute or cloud. Hmm. But the, the reality is it's about packing as many cores into a specific space. And I think it's all designed for kind of cloud-based computing. Mm-hmm. Much as I understand it. But my thought process was... Could this be their answer to like Intel's equals if they really wanted it? <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. I think it's. I, I I strongly believe it's for the data center. Mm-hmm. You know, it's for you know like um, really dense uh, computing clusters for like for like you know cloud computing and the like, mm-hmm. so they can pack in pack in more in a kind of like smaller space. But you know, also a possibility. In 2023, 2024, Intel has Meteor Lake and Arrow Lake. And I think we can expect an increase in core count from these guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In 2023, 2024, AMD has Zen 5 with X3D variants and Zen 5C. And this is all kind of known stuff. I mean, this is on their roadmap. So it's it's looking pretty interesting in, you know, the rate of innovation and kind of, you know, progress, you know, steamrolling ahead. But I, I kind of thought about all of this stuff and I thought, well, a fictional outline of how Meteor Lake and Zen 5 core layout could look. You know, I kind of provided a little, um, you know, table <laughs> and I thought to myself, 4900K, what if that was 32 cores? <laughs> 16 big, 16 small. Mm. 14700K. 8 big, 16 small. 14600K. 16 cores, you know, 8 big, 8 small. <laughs> I was wondering, I mean, Intel, what they did this time, they doubled some of the e-cores on some of their SKUs. Not all of them, but some of them. Mm-hmm. And then I thought to myself, well, what would Ryzen or AMD have to do? Uh, so let's say this fictional 8950X Zen 5 chip, mm. and it might even be called the 9950X for all I know because they have this weirdly weird naming convention of laptops. Mm-hmm. What if that was 32 big calls? <laughs> we know they were, were all capable of such a thing. They got thread rippers with with 64 calls for God's sake. You know, that's still that's not even out on Zen 3. It's, I think mm. it's still Zen 2 or, or something like that. I can't even but, remember. But, but who needs it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's that's true. Well, if, if it's turning into an arms race, mm. it's not about who needs it. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. It's like, I've got it, mm. you know, like, uh, and if you're doing it, I'm doing it. <laughs> but you imagine a, an 8900X with, you know, 16 calls. Mm. And that would be Horizon 7 and then a Ryzen 5, you know, 8700X with um, 12 calls. Yeah, yeah. But that's going on the basis that... um you know, Intel are not going to basically double more of their mm. kind of equals. Because you imagine that it was 16 big calls plus 32 equals. You know, what would happen mm. then? 
you know, AMD have been long rumored to be working on this, um, you know, what well, it's called SMT4, which is, you know, it's still a variant on single, um, uh, sorry, um, simultaneous multi-threading. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously now it's two threads, but they've apparently been working on something that gives you four threads mm -hmm. per call. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or what if they did decide to use something like Zen 5C, like an e-call? as a cheap way of getting you kind of more calls yeah just i mean they're probably going to do it just to have a bit of an experiment because just in case it actually does work and how, how should i say productivity and other things or gaming can take advantage of both the p's and the e's um you know in a similar fashion and if in the software is able to take advantage of it you know amd needs an answer i mean the one thing i would say is that haven't intel proved that already works you know what I mean? It all. I mean, the the kind of um, philosophy around it works. You know, and you know, AMD could stay being the the big core company because mm. they might say, "Look, okay, listen, what we'll do is give off you thirty two big calls. Yeah, yeah. But we'll supplement your system with eight small calls for certain workloads. Yeah, yeah. They could do that. Yeah. You know, I am kind of saying it. You know. It, could develop into an arms race because <laughs> that number is is un, you know that was amd's number for a long time mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now it's intel's number and the, you know whatever you say about you know p or e calls is still a number <laughs> <laughs> no one's gonna put a waiting on that box mm -hmm. yeah no one but i did think the other thing that amd could do would be to offer 3d vcash day one mm -hmm. just offer it day one that, yeah. yeah, if they've proven that that is going to work and the value, the cost increase doesn't skew it too much so that they're not as competitive with the existing Intel um, kind of chips. I think it's expensive. Yeah, yeah that's, expensive. that's the thing. So if it's expensive, yeah. then then maybe not. And then the yeah. question becomes, what what's the reason to have it? If it, you know, if it significantly boosts gaming, if it significantly boosts um, other kind of workloads, then, then, then there's a reason for people to have it. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think it will largely depend on AMD's margins. Mm -hmm. They were first to the mainstream with kind of chiplet yep. technology. It has to help with their yields. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and 3D vCache. Actually, I've got to stop calling it 3D. <laughs> I mean, like vCache, right, mm. should be a maturing technology. This is the second generation will see it. Mm -hmm. So the reality is, does that mean... Uh, maturity means kind of reduced overhead in implementing the thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. But looking at the roadmap, it seems they're hell bent on offering a variant of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Intel usually um, produce their KS products, which is, you know, something with a, a better bin chip mm. with a higher clock count. Yeah. 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 And I think really, maybe that's their way of thinking about it. Mm -hmm. But it's, it's super interesting, Al. It's super interesting. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I won't get any of these chips. Don't mm. get me wrong. I'm I'm quite happy with what I have. Yeah. And I see no reason to change. Yeah. But I've got to admit, Zen Five and Zen Six, I'm going to struggle not to. Yeah, I think I'm I'm similar. I I think we're both on that same <laughs> that same generation, right? Because I think we were probably talking a lot when we were buying the um the three thousand series. So um. Yeah, I can imagine us having a look at that again and uh, with um, a lot of interest to see um, if it's the right time to go in. Yeah, and then, you know, 
Admittedly, it might not even be an AMD chip mm. at this rate. True, we true, just true. need to kind of uh, watch watch yep. what's going on here because it's uh, Intel as far as CPUs uh, are going seem to be going great guns. Mm. I mean, GPU wise, yeah, maybe less so. You know, because that doesn't look too good. But CPU wise, yeah, second successive. <laughs> successful launch and 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 maybe maybe we'll uh get an intel uh, graphics chip <laughs> uh, i'm not sure you're gonna you're gonna get a good one if, if i'm being honest you, I mean, the chip might be good but the drivers are probably gonna be crap so i don't i'm not sure i'm gonna be buying one of them for the next five years <laughs> if i'm being honest with you but that's just me talking you know what i mean like you know they, they could they could they're a big company with lots of smart people i mean, they could turn it around in a matter or, of years. Or we see years. Uh, NVIDIA CPUs. Possible, possible. <laughs> but, um, again, pretty unlikely. But <laughs> certainly, certainly unlikely for the uh, consumer market mm. and enthusiast market. Yeah. More, more, more likely for maybe kind of, um, you know, a data center mm. and, and the like. You know, that's, that's what I'm thinking. Now, look, with all that said, I mean, got to say, I'm super excited for this you know, this new generation of CPUs, just basically because of what it represents, mm. really. I mean, it just represents, you know, two companies in this specific area who are right on their, you know, it feels like they're on their A game, mm. right? They're, I mean, certainly there, there's been a lot of things that, okay, haven't sat too well. The power draw, the temperatures, yeah? Generally, the expense... Yeah, in, especially in the AMD's case, it's expensive, but it's a it's a new platform. Yeah, yep. you're buying into a new platform, so that much I can understand. But really, with that competition, there's there's a bit of parity here at the moment. Mm. I can only imagine they're going to push each other on. And I I actually thought for a long time that if Intel wasn't going to do anything, AMD would have basically sat on the existing mm. uh, core counts. Yeah. And we would have been in a situation very much like what happened with the whole Intel four core mm, mm. situation where we sat on four cores for a god awful long time. But I genuinely don't think AMD can do that now. Mm, mm. And e even if we say that Intel are cheating, <laughs> yeah, whatever that means, I've got no idea what it means because like <laughs> the proof is in the benchmarks that people run for these applications and the, and the benchmarks are telling you it's kind of working. Yeah, <laughs> he's just getting you performance. I mean, who cares about whether it's a P or an E? Right, the fact is, look, are you getting performance? That's the outcome. You should be, you know, focused on the outcome. <laughs> uh, we're getting that, you know. And I'm, I'm just thinking, well, you know, if um, if AMD aren't the aren't the company who who want to kind of do the E calls or the, you know, the smaller calls, you know, then they're gonna have to push up the core count. Yeah, they will. They're gonna have to push it up. Yep. Yep. So it's all interesting times for us, that's for sure. Okay, Al, have you got any closing thoughts on all of this? No, it's again, I'm, 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 it's good to see the stuff, and again, another good generation of performance, uh, performance increases. Um, I think you get, like you say, you know, you know they're, they're both Intel and AMD are, um, are on their A game, um, and and let's hope it continues. Indeed. Okay, and with that said. Uh, let's move on to the next topic.
right guys the next topic i really want to talk about is really how the economy might affect gaming and what we pay for gaming mm. and the value of gaming and really we know right now that playstation 5 is facing price rises it's gone up around about 30 pounds in europe apac uk with the us staying the same Xbox did respond and say they were, they've got no plans to raise prices. Mm -hmm. But to be honest, they've also raised prices twice in India. Obviously, not set in stone. You know, and I just wondered, really, if this is largely you know, driven by, you know, FX, weaknesses of the yen versus yes. other currencies, you know, as far be, as Sony is concerned. It has to be the dollar. It has to be the dollar. Yeah. We've seen Meta also raise their headset by $100. And I'm just wondering, what's this going to mean for new products? You know, PSVR 2, which, you know, we kind of hoped would kind of uh, roll in between, I would say, 300 to 500 mm. pounds to make it kind of acceptable or palatable to gamers in general. And the other thing is, everybody's complaining about the 70 pound game. <laughs> but are we set for another increase? I mean, that's mm. the thing. Are we set for another increase? So, guys, I just I just wanted to get your your views on this. Really, I mean, it's not it's a, it's a bit of a dry topic as far as gaming is concerned, but you know what? It impacts everybody, doesn't it? And the way the way the economy looks, I just thought, oh, let's let's talk about this. Hey, I think it's, a, it's, it. it's 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 actually more important than we probably realise because if you, if you see the undertone in the whole gaming industry moving to games as a service subscription mm. models. And off the back of that, already shifting to well, all the, the all the studio acquisitions, plus there has been a speed up in in a, a recession, <laughs> which we everyone <laughs> knew was happening, and then inflation. I think that that whole storm together spinning around is is fundamentally going to change gaming forever. So I think this is a, it's a great topic to discuss. Mm. Um, I, th I think it's fundamentally going to change things to the level of the game design. Um, game games yeah. have inherently been more and more expensive to build anyway. You know, taking you know rather than taking a two three year cycle, taking five companies already trying to get MVP games out there and building mm -hmm. out the, proving the game works in a version 0.1. <laughs> you know, <laughs> take Grounded as an example that that's been out for two years now. Only version 1.0 just come out now, and it's it's flourished as a game from day one because they've they've built it built it up from been transparent of what the game is and built it around what the community want before they've mass marketed it so i you know i uh i i think it's going to be must the, the headline for me is is it's going to be short-term pain with increases in prices because from inflation uh, I think there will be pain in terms of game prices going up in the short term, next two three years. But fundamentally, the game it, it won't matter as much for the gamer when they're going to be playing paying against a subscription model anyway, <laughs> within the next three to five years anyway. Yeah, I, I kind of do wonder if it hastens us towards this games as a platform, games as a service model, because it's you know for the, for the companies who are investing the millions upon millions of pounds in developing games. They want something that's sustainable, yeah. As well, yeah. less risk and all of that sort of stuff. And, and gamers, gamers like it. If, if you find a game that you fundamentally like, 
you you want more content to come out of it rather than have because yeah. sometimes sometimes it, it's painful as a gamer when you get promises of a sequel and it's not quite a sequel and then they've tried to reinvent themselves and it's not quite and it loses its way and it's painful as a gamer for for your yeah, for the you have to re- relearn a whole game mechanics and all that sort of stuff as well it it's an investment it's an investment of time right? yeah, so, yeah that's right that's yeah. right yeah i think people forget that right that um playing a game well is an absolute time investment the mechanics, the feel, the muscle memory, you know, all of that sort of thing, that's another investment. Uh, how, how many sequel games flop? <laughs> they put a number two with three on it, and, and, and it, it just, as a game, you're yeah. frustrated. Like, why, why, why do this? It's almost like the, the developers, in order to meet the requirements of the studio that's funding them to meet the requirements of the shareholder have to add quotation new features to justify the next number on it then therefore <laughs> experiment with something they shouldn't and then go to a complete direction and break the game or, or, or some of them don't even meet the same features as they were even doing from the previous version just i i yeah, there's some crazy things that kind of go out there. Yeah, I, so it, what's what, what this theme now is is it, it's like the work from home, which was going to happen over the next ten fifteen years anyway, and COVID spread it up. Mm. What's what's was going to happen in gaming? I think will get sped up with a recession, inflation now. Yeah, because because don't forget, I guess gaming, you know, with cost of living, inflation kind of going up everywhere. You know, games and other things is a luxury. It's like it's like an additional thing, right? And all the services, subscription models, you know, some of those they'll have to cut back on too. Um, so you know, it will affect the industry. And offsetting that with price rises, it just means that it gets you know, there's less there's less accessibility to it, right? You know, all these VR headsets and Meta, people just won't be able to afford it. You know, you need you need stuff behind it to actually make this work. So just can't afford it and some of the free-to-play games will probably be okay. Maybe it's fine, but even then, time, electricity. There's electricity involved in you, you even playing games, right? And people are complaining about that too. So there's a, there's multiple folds of problems here, and I think it just it just means that they're going to have less gamers. Hmm. I mean, psychologically as well. I think um, games as a service, microtransactions. I know everybody hates them. <laughs> I know that I know that everybody hates them. Can't this can't stand the thing, you know. But the reality is, when you look at the, the amount of a microtransaction versus £70 for a game, mm. it's, it's a little bit more kind of acceptable. Mm. And you kind of like, you find forget it. Yeah, it depends on how much time, right? So this is this is where it's interesting. I've been, uh, obviously, all the three of us have been playing the most out of these, um, <laughs> these free-to-play games. And, you know, I've been spending some money, but not, you know, let, let, let's call it the, the £70 that you kind of said there. I mean, how many hours can you get out of a AAA title for for seventy pounds versus probably the amount of time I'm playing on a free to play game? Admittedly, I am spending the odd bit on some microtransactions here and there, but I'm probably not spending that seventy. Yeah, or well, you send you send you spend less of it. Mm. Has to be an amazing game for you to spend that, or you wait for it to mm. go on sale. And I think I'm I'm pretty much in that mold now where I'm you know. Unless it's just an amazing thing, I've just got no motivation to spend that amount of money. Yeah, because yeah. I never get to it quickly enough. <laughs> <laughs> There's no point. There's, I just don't get to it quickly enough. 
It just I just stockpile these things, you know. So to actually answer some of these things, that there's a, there's a gen, there's a, sh, a shift in gaming type between generations, right? Like mm. we 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 like more single player games, and are more used to paying the sixty seventy pound. But if you if you're a youngster now in your twenties or, or younger, paying sixty seventy pounds for a game is is you just you don't want to do it when there's so many free play, free to play games that you've been got used to. So the writing's on the wall for Sony, right? Microsoft have already gone to first party games, Game Pass. That's the future. Sony, we've already had the discussion on a previous podcast, are holding on to the to the the, the single player first party game, sixty seventy. I think that's going to quickly disappear. Mm. The other part of the, the the conversation is the hardware. I think. In the next two three years, the price is going to keep going up, and I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd be surprised even in, in these console generations now with the with the PS5 or the Xbox Series X, whether we'll get a, a a a you know when they come out with a slim version with cheaper parts, but they also reduce the price. I don't think we're going to get that sort of stuff happening anymore, or certainly not in this generation. One, because yes. of inflation, but also because mobile phone prices have driven everything up. Mm-hmm. I think they can almost get away with it with the, with the consoles because they they're so cheap what they are. <laughs> well, well, they're probably still loss leaders, right? So I think even back in the few generations ago, they were making losses on these things. But they want to sell you the, the additional services around it, right? So I don't know if they're doing that on the PlayStation 5. I'd imagine they are, and they were forced to do the price rise because of the, the yen-dollar difference. Yeah, I think right now, I think for from the era PS4 through to PS5, they they're getting closer to um, breaking even. They they're less of a loss lead, mm. yeah. Or they get to profitability for the hardware a lot quicker than they used to. And plus, right, we're talking about what is less exotic hardware. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's you know it's x86, it's um, PC, you know GPU yeah. that's yeah. out there. Yeah, GPUs that are out there. So there's a, there's less of that. The R and D is still there. But the R and D's in partnership with a company like AMD, mm-hmm. yeah. So there's there's really you know less of that. But just touching a point Jay made about um, Sony and obviously Microsoft. See, I I think that I think Sony will probably to some degree maintain this this big um, seventy pound blockbuster sort of thing. But I think what they're going to do is double down on services as a game. Because they've got 10 of them in development anyway, right? I think they will... The single-player games, how long are they? 12 hours, 15 hours, 15 20 hours. a push? Yeah, 15 hours. Mm. We, as old, old, old fogies, right, have already, have already got such a big back catalogue, but even if we really loved a franchise or game... Are reluctant to spend sixty, seventy pounds, and and you would you would say that mm. we're at an age where we can afford to spend that kind of money in a game, and we're reluctant yeah, well. to do it. Mm. Uh, how long can they realistically realistically do that? Yeah, uh, when it, I mean double down, I just believe right that over time, given the state of affairs, that their main income source for games is going to come from services platforms yeah it, okay you know, so, game. You, so you are saying mm-hmm. they are going to actually they'll, they'll shift um, the weight yeah yeah yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and i think they're, le- they're they're reluctant to do the whole s- uh, subscription thing like a, a game pass because i just think 
Mm. You know, a subscription's a script a subscription where you subscribe to a service that gives you, you know, like access to hundreds or thousands of games. Or what are you a subscription or what is microtransaction model to get you access you know, to one game? Yeah. They're still making money. Yeah. And I think that's what they prefer. And over time, I mean, listen, we all know Sony don't really make that many kind of uh, let's say single player games anyway in the grand scheme of things. They don't, you know? yeah. But yeah, they well, could have they can afford to keep maybe certain franchises going down their main franchises and maybe for those things they'll kind of follow this kind of like a cross media approach where there's a film, there's a TV show, then there's your game. And they can get away with stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But their their main cash cow, their their perpetual, let's say uh, reliable means of getting ring regular income in cash flow is going to be through some sort of live service game, and they just need a few of those guys to hit home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just and they are winning, man. Mm, you know, what I mean, yeah. they don't need Game Pass necessarily. You know, that will be kind of Microsoft's and Xbox's model. And but the one thing about Game Pass. Is that you need games? Hmm. Mm. Yeah. That would be the only thing that I would say. Hmm. That's interesting. We're going off slightly off topic a little bit, but I think that's the reason why they they obviously bought Blizzard because they probably have low confidence on <laughs> on converting their games to 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 fill that games as a service model to to support their Game Pass. But coming back to the economies of fail, you know, if you look at the constraint in in the supply chain and people going nuts and paying for cars and paying 10 percent 15 percent of a list price it can be even 20 percent or 30 percent for luxury cars like a porsche i kind of see you know that with all the hardware and the price increases even if they bumped it up another 50 quid i think they can get away with it people are this they can't produce enough they're going off the shelf so quickly yeah. I, I don't know. I think demand's down. Like, I mean, I'm sure I can get a PS5 if I want to now, but I'm not. I still you, want you, to. You, you can't because I asked. I asked when really? I went to get, get, get Smith's Game Store. They just mm. still not can't get them. It is getting easier, as in like, I think uh, Sony are doing now. It depends what country, but I think the UK that, or it might be in the US, right? I heard that that you can get in a queuing system to, to mm. get it from direct from, from Sony versus any ballot type yeah, prize draw I'm, type ticket i've uh, definitely seen it much more available because there's been a few opportunities where i could have gone and i'm like nah i wasn't i still there still wasn't anything that was grabbing me enough to go and get it even even with the announcement of the psvr2 i think i read some article i saw some uh, headlines saying they've got 400 percent more stock mm. but when you, you know you're you know when you you, when you've been denied drinking water for such a long time, and you've been walking that desert, you know, <laughs> you know that drinking water is going to disappear rapidly. Yeah. You know, so. Well, wait till I mean, come, come in. Like you, you still, even though they've increased the supply, I think there's enough demand that they're still flying off the shelves. Come Christmas, it's going to it's going to extend out into True. into next year. I think next, mid next year, I think will be. You can walk into a store and you'll, you'll see one. I don't think things will be the same way as they were. You think so? Yeah, I don't actually. I mean, um, because uh, um, AMD and people like Intel, they've been making noises about shortages 
you know, and that sort of thing. So, you know, I just think when you when you have a big machine like this kind of, I mean, and the machine isn't just Sony or Microsoft. It's just kind of this whole kind of uh, ecosystem, multitude of companies doing different things for each other. And when that slows down, it kind of takes a long time for that to kind of like, you know, for you, to, it's it's like cranking the motor on, on on one of those old kind of like cars where you kind of turn the handle before it kind of like. <laughs> yeah, I see things improving next year. I just don't think it will be the same. No, and the, uh, stock, stock's not a problem. Uh, if I want to get one right now, so the digital one that I can't get, I can get the normal one. There's load, there's loads, like Game Shop Two. I can I can see loads of them already right now. Are they there? Okay. Yeah. yeah. But I, I think you know um, the other thing angle on this is that it's not only that. We've got them in, in shops, yeah, physically in shops, right? You need to produce the kind of technology in chips, mm. yeah? And all of these things get manufactured separately. There's not one Sony or, uh, let's say, Microsoft factory that basically just churns out everything that mm. is in it in Xbox or PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah? So, I mean, I, he I hear rumors of... Sony and Microsoft producing, you know, there's this limb down versions. Mm. You know, there's there's the there's the chips, right, to make it easier to produce. And yeah, and then I, I also hear that Sony. There was a rumor that Sony were producing something with a detachable Blu-ray player or something. <laughs> but mm. to me, that just speaks to we got to find a way to manufacture these things a little bit easier. Mm. Yeah. Well, well. Plus, there's also a. A political environment as well isn't isn't the u.s trying to like sort out doing chips themselves in 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 the u.s rather than being reliant on uh china and taiwan yeah i think i think it's more it, it's more of a play because i i think they're kind of worried about the whole taiwanese <laughs> and Ch chinese situation so it's not that you know they um they're not worried about taiwan mm. uh, per se but they kind of worried about what might happen to taiwan <laughs> for a, a country like the u.s which actually has technology leadership. Mm. You know, part of the kind of um, power that country is because they're, they're, they're the leaders of technology. Mm. Yeah. For them not to be producing their own chips. <laughs> I mean, come on. I mean, that's a no brainer, surely. I mean, come on. <laughs> you can't be the leader, you know, in, in technology, not produce your own, not fabricate. You know your own chips, or anything like that. that. That's just absolutely ridiculous. They got they got the IP and the ideas, and that's it. And then you get someone yeah. else to print it for them. Yeah, but when someone when someone else does it, you know they you know they they've got you over a barrel, haven't they? So <laughs> we've kind of like uh, spun off onto all different sorts of facets of conversation, but when it's all said and done, these decisions will be largely driven by how the economy looks, whether prices go up, inflationary kind of like factors all sorts of things are you know like that supply demand whatever it is whether we follow specific models for people to consume the games the economies dictate how much companies can spend on developing a game because mm. games are already expensive and you know the, these are these are all factors you know um and the habits of gamers as well largely driven to the amount of disposable income we have Mm -hmm. and if one day right I find out you know what paying even £50 for a game because that's not a small amount of money in the grand scheme of things is it like it's £50 for a game that I might not pay for two years mm. right I might say no to that 
I mean, you know, I might just say, look, give me more, give me Warframe. I'm not going to play, I pay fifty pound for that. Joe, here's a thought for you. We're going back to arcades. You know, we're getting later stuff in arcades. <laughs> you know, because consoles were were or off the back of you know arcades being too expensive, and you can have it, you can play as to your heart's content at home. Are we are we moving back? That's an interesting thought, Al. And you hold that thought, <laughs> right? But I think. I think gaming's too much of a of um, a social, online social at least, even living room activity for us yeah. to necessarily go back to that model. There's no way. Like Tekken, as it was, like they used to release their games as their MVP for the arcade. They said they're not mm. doing that anymore. I mean, yeah, <laughs> there's no way. There's no way. Yeah, there's there's no way. I, I don't think so, but. The, the arcade itself might evolve into something else, you know, that, that, that's the other thing, it, you know, it doesn't, you know, nothing necessarily stays the same. And, and that basically segues nicely onto my next point, given the economic backdrop and what's, what it's doing for, for companies, gamers, prices, models, you know, consumer electronics and like, there's this little thing from my kind of a childhood, game stalls. And I thought to myself like, at the end of this, God, I used to love game stores. I used to love walking in there and being saturated by boxes. gaming. You know, boxes and gaming and, you know. Yeah, but yeah. when was the last time you ever was in there? I, I, I mean, I, I honestly can't remember now. That's I, I think I probably went out. in there to buy a Christmas present, maybe. Yeah, yeah but, but, but there were none left. Yeah, but you, like, because so I've got young kids now, I go into a Smith Toy Store mm. and they still have a gaming section there. Kind of like a mini mm. game store, and it's still nice to see the boxes there. You, you, mm. you, you get attracted to games that you kind of dismiss by just seeing the icon on the internet oh, yeah. versus the box being physically. You want to turn it around, and there's something nice about that. But I mean, I don't know. I, don't know, I mean, I'm, I'm it's, it's gonna die. Yeah, it's dead. Yeah, the point I was going to make is that still don't underestimate how many people buy gifts mm. for their kids who just aren't interested in gaming <laughs> and don't know much <laughs> and still want to go into yeah, a store. Yeah. Hence why, hence why they always like. If you want to get a PS5 quickly, because I, I had a look on Amazon and if, you, if you, Amazon don't really have any stock. You have to you have to request. They've got some game bundles, but they they're sold by mm. third parties. Are expensive. <laughs> yeah. You have to buy six seven hundred pound bundle on uh, on uh, game, game, game right. Yeah, but yeah, if you go yeah. to the physical store of Smiths, mm. you're more likely to get a console. Yep. yep because yep. they the, the the game manufacturers want they still know they still sell a high volume of people rocking into a store like that. And I don't think that will go away. But I, sorry, just a quite just a little segue. I don't know, like, I don't know if you guys used to go to like cafes where you could play online games, uh, like Missile. Counter- yeah, yeah, like because like, they were, used to have like high end PCs. And you play Counter Strike or you mm. play Metal of Honor. They were fun as well. Yeah, the problem was is that they it, it never really took off in the UK because it's just too expensive. Like obviously South Korea and other countries. That that actually that was like almost bread and butter to, to quite a few yeah. of the, the kind of processes over there. But here, it was just too expensive. And actually, I used to pay a pound an hour. I used to pay a pound an hour when I used to go. Mm-hmm. 
I think the model needs would need to be different now. But I mean, and and the you know the whole game store thing. I mean, look, I'm not talking about game or GameStop. I mean, that was kind of soulless, kind of like wall to wall of you know like um, boxy game stores, whatever they you want to call them. But uh, you know, you know, specialists. Because I remember in, back in the day, ones. yeah, my God, there was some oh, good independent ones. I had a really know. good one in Yorkshire. That was awesome. I used to go there all the time. Yeah. So you, but then we used to, you know, it was one of those ones where you get your, um, that was the place where you trade in your games and secondhand games. Yeah, and they were exactly, much exactly. better priced than, uh, yeah, than your exactly. local game or anything else. So so they they were actually, you know, closer to it. And it was, that was really good, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, don't get me right. I, th- I think that model is not a profitable model and you can't have many people doing it because mm. it just doesn't, but the market's not there for it. But, you know, I would really love it to evolve into something. <laughs> To uh, Jay's point, you know, like um, these high-end PC gaming, you know, venues, what they gave you at the time was something that you couldn't have at home. Because, like, no, not everybody could pay two grand for a PC. Mm. I kind of would love to see venues that just focus a little bit more on that. This is what you can't have at home. It's either some sort of VR, you know, VR setup, it's either some sort of, you know, I don't know, land party environment with yeah. a coffee shop that could make their money on it, you know. Tournaments, local, like, local, local tournaments. <laughs> totally, land totally. Part. Would I would value. totally go to that. They, they have some of those in London, actually. I, I'll send you the link. Yeah, the and, and uh, by and all means, you, sell food, sell alcohol. They, they do you have to. It's, yeah, it's literally like a, a pub venue. Yeah. They have it all. In London, they have it. Maybe that could be our new business venture, which is like create a franchise, which is like a like a gaming calf social thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but you you'd have to offer people something that they couldn't have at home. That's the thing. Like like yeah. hard, like hardcore drugs or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, in, in the back room, the the gaming would be the drug. <laughs> <laughs> You know, in 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 the back in the in the back room, have have some sort of you know like um, gaming shop, you know, or a museum or whatever it would be, you know, just but something, something you could have for venues, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You know, something along those lines. In um, the more it goes on, obviously, because uh, the young will get old. Who knows? You could offer a corporate events. So, so I I reckon that. You, you could if you did a mix of going really massive off piece but if you did a mix of we're going to watch this new trailer or this uh microsoft or playstation conference as a, as a collective uh, a new game right. comes out we're gonna you can watch someone play it or let's have a tournament or or let, let let's all just play an old land party game or something or let's have a you know e esports spectator be a, you know some something along those lines if you know what i mean yeah have okay. a large vr venue where you could you know <laughs> walk around in you know because there's there, there are kind of like experiences like that you know that's i don't of know thing. i mean we're, we're probably past post-covid but you know swapping headsets might not have been too uh... <laughs> it'll come it'll come too back it'll come you'll come back yeah i mean obviously you know the hot you know that whole kind of like hygiene thing is a bit bit difficult. But look, I just think, look, out of the old in with the new. Look, with that said, I think we should kind of wrap up this topic. So obviously the economy is a fail. The economy is in dire straits now globally, no doubt about that. And it will impact gaming. We will see gamers' habits to potentially change. We will see the people who 
sell us these gaming experiences in the hot sauce hardware, their habits will change. And, you know, we better get ready for that. You know? Change is good. Change is good, exactly. <laughs> but I'd like to think with all the change happening, there's still a place for the good old game store. Yeah, <laughs> but not, not, definitely not. To the moon. To the moon. Potentially. Something new, you know, something borrowed. Who knows? But I mean, it's a, you know, it's a nice thought, you know, that that we, we might be able to get something, you know, back close to resembling something that used to make us feel good when we kind of like started off gaming. Okay, with that said, let's move on to the next topic. Okay, guys, it's come to that time in the night where we've got to say goodbyes. Uh, and I'm going to ask you a regular question. Uh, what have you been doing in the tech and gaming space? So I'm going to start with... Jay, I'm going to start with you. Cool. So I've been fully burnt out on uh, Destiny. <laughs> I've, I've uh, told my raid group I need, I need some time out. And probably, <laughs> probably some therapy of playing the same stuff again. Um... But uh, yeah, that uh, for the gap, I've kind of been messing around with Overwatch 2, which has not been that well received by the community because it's basically Overwatch 1 <laughs> with an improved game engine and improved graphics. But I never replayed Overwatch 1, so I've been absolutely loving it. Um, I gave it a go previously on the PS4, uh, but I didn't, I didn't give it much of a chance because I was just uh, too much too into destiny to, to be uh, almost blink of vision but this time i've been absolutely loving it all the characters are, are so different um so I, that's been most of the game most most of the time i've been spent on that game um i, I messed around with halo which has had a little bit of a, a bit of an update uh forge is finally out <laughs> although you can't actually play the maps as far as i can see that they've been showing in the trailer and um i'm starting to I've just been busy with a lot of family stuff, but looking into Christmas, I'm thinking of now finally to start uh, start to play Last of Us 2 with the, obviously with the TV series coming out in January. And I'm probably going to have to start God of War, the first one, given that Ragnarok is, 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 is out. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much it, me. Um, Al? Um, Game-wise, I've probably played less of Genshin. Probably was the first one, and uh, less of um, uh, punishing Grey Raven. So, but I have moved to just more mobile games, <laughs> kind of behind the scenes. So, so not not giving um, that up, then. No, I mean, they're you know they're free to kind of like just play and try, and if it's interesting, then then why not? Um, so there's one called Tower of Fantasy, which I've been playing a little bit, um, uh, and then another one that I've been playing recently. Um, been more just trialing on a on a on my phone. Um, bit of a weird one, and I might probably just delete it at some point. But yeah, it seems to be seems to be alright. It's a uh, what is it called? Goddess of Victory Nike on a on a mobile phone. Um, some random stuff. Um, you, any, that, that's me for gaming. Anything yeah. with uh, lots of microtransactions. You're a bit <laughs> <laughs> micro, yeah, microtransaction junkie. Yeah. Just just for a bit of that uh, adrenaline hit for yeah for just for your loot boxes. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so those ones, and, and though there has been new content on 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 Genshin and, and other things that have kept kept me going as well. And and I think the most the most I've been playing is uh, just Arknights um, uh, on the on the mobile uh, is what I've been playing the most. Hmm. For a moment, I um, thought you you said Gotham Knights. No, but <laughs> no, no, not Arkham Knights. <laughs> no, I've um, no, it's, it's it's great. It works. It works really well on the on the mobile phone. Um, and I've got one of those um, uh, Samsung S twenty one Ultras, and I've got a little stylus, so it plays really well with a stylus. Um, so it's it's great on that. Um, Tech wise, not a huge amount. You know the the change in my work because obviously I've I've been involved in some other tech um, uh, and things like that. But otherwise, um, not a huge amount different at this point. Um, uh, not really done much. You know we've obviously been doing a bit of research for CPUs and GPUs for the next wave and stuff. But um, probably still won't jump onto that next this this current wave. You know my current setup is still uh, operating pretty well. Um, if anything, I've got a new laptop that's that's um, up in the uh, up in my other place, um, which I haven't been able to touch, but um, hopefully I'll be able to play with a lot of that over Christmas. Nice. Yeah, sounds good. Sounds good. I guess on my end, I mean, I've sadly, you know, played next to zero games. Yeah, but I mean, um, I suppose you can't recount a Dawn of War mod that I kind of decided to kind of dust off after, you know, a few, fair few many kind of years. But it's the ultimate apocalypse mod. So I've been kind of messing around in that a little bit. Uh, but I think what I'm going to end up doing is probably kind of, you know, dropping some money on kind of uh, the new God of War. Um, mm. It's, you know, it's probably going to be the end of a saga. And depending on my plans over Christmas, just start catching up on for some of the games that I've kind of missed out of, missed out on this mm. year. Mm. So, yeah. you know, I might just kind of uh, get hold of Elden Ring and Horizon. You know, I might, might even basically try a Gran Turismo 7. Because I haven't, yeah, I haven't owned one in a, in a while. Um, and I was thinking the other day, um, what happened to that um, that action RPG? Was it Ark? The, uh, the dinosaurs in there? No, no, that's the... Um, that's the, Lost Ark? No, the one that... It's an action Diablo-like uh, action RPG. Published yes, by Ark. Amazon? Yeah, Lost Ark. Yeah, Lost that Ark. Was, uh, no, Lost Ark, uh, that's it. Lost Ark is a different one. There was another one. No, no Lost Ark is the one was, I want to play. Was, yeah, yeah. Lost Ark is 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 the Amazon <laughs> one. That's a Korean game. That's right. Amazon. There was but there's another one though, right? Is it New World? I know. Oh yeah, you're that, right. Yeah. That, that was the that was the Sorry. real Amazon. Yeah, but the one right. I, the one yeah, I want right. to play is Lost Ark. Yeah, yeah. yeah Lost Ark. Really, I've played a bit of. Don't really well. give a crap yeah. about New World. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so you know that's that's what I've got planned. As soon as my time kind of like frees up, you know, in terms of uh, uh, tech stuff, you know, uh, obviously trundling along with my job, you know, and just uh, learning as much in that space as possible. Um, and I've got to admit, not not a lot else really at the moment. You know, like you said, in kind of like keeping track of what's happening with um, you know next generation of um, PC hardware and, and the like. Uh, but yeah, not not too much, not too much more than that, really. And just trying to like, uh, obviously, try to kind of edit and basically splice together these podcasts we do. But uh, you know, <laughs> that's about it. Cool, cool. Yeah, nice. So, guys, I think with that all said and done, uh, I think it's just time to say our goodbyes. So it's goodbye from me, Al, and goodbye from me, Jay. 
and goodbye from me joel and whatever you're doing please like subscribe and comment and have a stellar day